0: You're listening to The Real Reese.
1: Welcome to my podcast, The Real Reese. My name is Reese, and I'll be your host out every single one of these episodes. And today, we are discussing again um, the Mike Flanagan shows. One Matt came up with the great idea to just separate each show into his own episode because there's so much content to cover in each of them. So that's what we're going to do today, and we're going to start out with the first show that released on Netflix, The Hunting of Hill House. So how are you guys doing today?
0: Doing good. Yeah, doing great. Thank you. Yeah,
1: I'm doing pretty good. That's awesome to hear, as always, because, you know, it's been a long week, long days too, because it's cold as hell and it's snowing and all kind of crazy stuff's going on, but right here um <laughs> once again <laughs> and maybe it'll be a little bit less chaotic this time um but I don't see how, about any reason you? how to are you doing snow. uh we are doing fine other than the snow we're doing okay over here <laughs> I hear that yeah snow is horrible guys just so you know um <clears throat> that's just my opinion though you know I mean <laughs> uh geez I don't even want to get into it anyway um <laughs> uh, <laughs> So the hunting of Hill House, um, you guys. I think all three of you guys said this is your favorite show out of the out of the bunch, right? So it's good the restoring with it.
2: <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that's pretty accurate.
1: <laughs> uh, Roseanne, you too. Is is Hill House your favorite? I can't remember.
0: Yes, yes, it is. Got you right Got at the
1: you. top and there. Matt, you too.
3: Yeah, for sure. Seems like you're still standing alone with this one, Reese. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, I still love all these shows pretty equally, so I don't feel too left out. But um, Hill House is fantastic, honestly. I honestly do think it's like if not, I still think it's a 9 out of 10. It's just it's just not my 10 out of 10 of the group. Um, I don't think. But you ask me on another day then it can very well be at the very top of my list. It just it all changes depending on my mood <laughs> most of the time. Um <laughs> but yeah so first episode steven sees a ghost um i just want to say something that's kind of random to start with but i really enjoyed steve throughout the entire show i don't think at any point i felt the way i think we were supposed to feel about him i feel like he was always i think he always had a reasonable response to most things that happened during the show in my opinion what do you guys think about that I, oh, I
3: 100% no. yeah I 100 oh I know, okay, I'm I'm sorry Jenny <laughs> no I 100% agree with that I feel like but this is very often the case in a lot of horror movies people say people are acting stupid or doing dumb stuff is they aren't they aren't supposed to be aware that they're in a horror whatever they're not supposed to be aware that stuff is happening and that stuff is possible I think we all would have a certain skeptical response though maybe not as Uh, cynical as Steve is sometimes. Mm -hmm. I do feel like he gets a little bit too much shit uh, for being a realist. I think he has some great quotes and he has some great uh, ideas. I really like his view on what a ghost is. Uh, His monologue that he says in the beginning. And the end. And the end. And And something that I've always really (laughs) liked is uh, is you have, I believe, in episode 8 he's talking to his dad about how he's seen like that a look of craziness in his mother and he's seen it in his brother and he also says I've seen that look in the mirror I feel like that's a important point with Steve where uh, he's, he doesn't think he's above all these people he realizes he is just as much a part of it he's not like you're all crazy and I am the same one he yeah, that's not it it's not a point okay. of I am above you and that is something that makes that, him a little though. bit more more, more sympathetic for me, at least.
2: I have a lot of sympathy for Steve. I <coughs> like him as a character. The issue is I do not like him as a person. He 100%, 100%. is percent excellent <laughs> character. He's well-written. He has very interesting responses. And he responds consistently, which is not often the case in a lot of 100%, 100%. true, Yeah. I very much disagree because while maybe, maybe Steven doesn't necessarily think that he is above these people because he does see himself in in the insanity, he acts like he is better than them. He takes True. every single step to believe that Steven is above it all. And, oh, it's just infuriating because especially when they view him as, you know, Looking at him as a child, where he was really like sweet and protective of his family, and then the the destruction that this house brought upon him turns him into such an unmanageable git. I absolutely, one
3: hundred percent agree. It's a very great point. Uh, but I feel like that's that's what a lot of the characters. What you said that the house has such an effect on them, and that's what Flanagan has said was a big pitch for this show is. We always see, like, the haunted house story and stuff, Uh, and he pitched this show to be uh, we see the aftermath of that, and not necessarily the haunted house stuff itself. And then he pitched the idea of we see the family leaving the haunted house immediately in the pilot. And I think that's interesting. interesting. Yeah. By the way, I don't know if any of you knew this, the actor who plays Steve, he's Dutch, so represent.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's nice. (laughs) Rosanne, we didn't want to talk or talk over you or leave you out. Did you have anything to add about that? Yeah, uh, I was you know? actually
0: um I was going to second Ginny's point uh Jenny's point there and just say, um I really found that Stephen's character was like well played, but like as a person in the show, very dismissive, very like holier than now. Like Stephen was really riding his high horse throughout the entirety of the show and was very quick. So I'm actually going to go against what you said, Matt, um, and say that I disagree. I don't think that he was as, I don't know if understanding is the word I want to use here, but um, it did feel like he went around and often pointed fingers of blame and kind of went, you're crazy and you're crazy. Like he was very dismissive and hostile towards Nellie and like had really poor judgment and, and almost... It, it felt very, like, presumptuous when, when he was interacting with Luke a lot of the time. And it, I know it, it, it really helped to build the story, but I just felt like it was a very hostile um, char- character and, like, like personal arc that they built for him. And I, I really wasn't a fan of it. it. It angered me quite a lot because I was like, this is, <laughs> this is extremely just mean. Yeah,
3: <laughs> so, you know, no, no, don't, don't, be- don't get me wrong. I'm... <laughs> I'm, I'm not I'm not saying that he's a good person in any way, and he definitely did point fingers. I'm also most definitely not denying that. What I do think is that he points fingers, but he doesn't necessarily stand... Uh, tries to stand above it all because he sees that same insanity in himself, and he realizes that's also there. He's not thinking that he is the only sane one in this family. He definitely points a lot of fingers, and he's a very bad person. And I'm not saying that that one point and that one line... Makes him a good person, or even gets him close to it. But I did really like that because it gave a lot of um, insight into his thought process. Right. I thought that was interesting for sure, and um, yeah, pretty much that.
0: Yeah, it was an interesting character arc that it that it kind of it built for him.
1: For sure. I, I, think, I that think it's I very b- important. F- no, you that to we go saw and, first.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that it's really important that we saw Steven first and that he gets that first episode, which I know that it it counts down by the age, but I also think that he is a framing device for the show as a whole. And so his character arc is something of an arc for the show itself. And I I think that that makes him important. And I think that that makes him interesting, but I absolutely think that, He's just kind of intolerable. And if I put yeah. myself in the shoes of literally anyone else in that family, including his wife, that has to put up with him, well, you know, he'd be sleeping in a separate apartment, too.
3: <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> I, I, totally I agree. He's, he's, a, he's a terrible person. But I do think that uh, he's a lot more realistic than people realize. I think a lot of people, and I mean a lot of people, react that way. Not because they are inherently bad people, but because people have just a natural skepticism to things that they don't know.
1: I mean that shit is like batshit crazy. Honestly, I think I think all of us can agree that some of that shit that happened is just is not normal under any circumstances. So I don't well, I don't I disagree think... with how he reacted either for for some stuff, not the family situation, but no, no, far, for yeah. sure
3: not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're writing <laughs> the, with the book, and that kind of stuff, no
2: it's not it's not his skepticism that bothers me because i understand his skepticism i do think that it's a little bit like i'm just going to not look at it because i don't want to not because it's not there exactly. but i think that his skepticism is is warranted because as soon as you leave that house and you go back out into the real world people would call you crazy like people just straight up of yeah. would um I mean, but it, i think it's that's not his issue that. The issue is that he buried his head in the sand and he let the rest of his family down for it.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah. No, that's that's why I'm definitely emphasizing not a good person, but I think he's a lot more realistic than people think, and very I close. I do think he's to, very I think, realistic. A, I I think very close, but a lot of people would logically react to that because, I mean, if if your like little sister, you know, five years old starts talking about weird crazy monsters the first thought would also be it's a dream at least mine personally
2: i mean my first thought would be that also but <clears> if <throat> i had lived in a haunted house and had so many haunted experiences and also saw my sister's ghost at the end of the first episode maybe i wouldn't <laughs> walk around the rest of the show calling yeah. everyone crazy yeah,
1: yeah.
3: For so, sure. he's, he's not a good guys, person i think um, we can all agree with that
1: <laughs> do you guys believe in the paranormal or the supernatural, whichever way you want to call it, or yes. yeah, yeah, I, I guess it's called supernatural for right now. I don't know.
2: <laughs> to an extent.
1: Okay, uh, Roseanne said yes. Jenny said <laughs> to an extent, and Matt.
3: Uh, well, I think to an extent is correct. I do think there's something out there that's beyond the nature of what we know right now. I like Steve's term not to be immediately become the Steve of the group but I like Steve's <laughs> term of it is preternatural yeah um I don't necessarily believe in like demons and ghosts and stuff like that and I believe that a lot of the evidence that is floating around online is fake or explainable in one way or another I'm, I'm naturally skeptical For to sure. that kind of stuff but I'm also very open-minded to be proven wrong I've just yet to be proven wrong
0: I like that
2: Yeah, I I think for me, the really big difference is, yeah, like stuff you see online or videos and all of this proof that does float around, that is so easy to explain away or to say yeah that that was fake or they were trying to do this or you know maybe it's unexplainable but that doesn't mean it's paranormal I think that my big thing and the reason I feel like to an extent is because I know people who have had paranormal experiences that they cannot explain and the thing is I trust them I don't trust a video on the internet but I do have stories from people that I personally trust and believe and therefore I allow for skepticism but I mean, a blanket statement of no is almost never a good idea.
3: Yeah, no, definitely yeah. not. I mean, I've I've uh, also had my fair share of like weird uh, things happening to me as I can explain, <laughs> oh, that I can't exactly explain. Oh, for sure. Do do cross very 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 close to the idea of there being a ghost, like you know. But <clears throat> I I've always just kept myself skeptical, but not in a way where I refuse to let my mind be changed. I'm open minded to let it be changed, but nothing has done so, so far.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. So I'm wondering now, did Steve have any kind of, I don't want to say power because that's not what it's called, but did he have any ability that all his other siblings did have something, you know, the twin thing, Theo's touch, Shirley's, I don't know, (laughs) sleep dream sequences i don't know what was going on where oh but anyway, the, the, all... the sleep talking,
3: sleep yeah. talking. yeah yeah <laughs> where she does she does indeed foreshadow some stuff happening so that's more than just random gibberish yeah yeah which, yeah right as someone who sleep talks random gibberish <laughs> is the most fun to talk
1: <laughs> so does steve have anything like that that i, I don't possibly think so. missed out on or
3: i know there's a lot of theories theories floating around about all the uh because all the all the characters all the siblings, they represent a certain form of grief. Like mm-hmm. one of the five yeah. stages of grief. Mm-hmm. And I know that there's been theories floating around uh, of them all uh, having a sense. Like they all represent a certain sense as in touch mm-hmm. or hearing, that kind of stuff. Uh, I also have heard that Flanagan himself said that, that even if that is in there, uh, it was not intentional. And Steve's is technically taste and it's very weak evidence at best. He, like, moves his mouth weird whenever there's a ghost in front of him <laughs> in the last episode. Yeah, that's that's genuinely their, epi- their, their, their sorry, evidence. They're he like, well, he, he moves his, he, yeah, he, he was licking the ghost clearly. He was like, hmm, hmm,
4: <laughs> is
3: that vanilla I taste?
4: <laughs>
3: but, no. I mean, no, Steve is no, I mean, I mean oh. the way he moves his mouth looks really weird and it does look like he's, like, Tasting something mm-hmm. weird in the air, but it's weak evidence at best. But for the rest, I believe Nell uh, Liv says at one point that Nell said the, is ho- the house is loud,
0: mm-hmm.
3: which is, you know, she's then supposed to be hearing. Obviously, I don't think I need to explain Theo's touch.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Right. Uh, <laughs>
2: I, I don't really like this allegory. Word. Does that make Shirley it's, smell? What's she smelling? Is it just because she's got a sour look <laughs> on her face?
3: <laughs> I'm not sure. There was there was good evidence for the other ones, but uh, all I just... All, every time I think about this theory, is like, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't add anything to the show. And Flanagan himself has said that he didn't intend to do that. It just happened to be that way. I forget what the Lucas other siblings' their sight, reasoning was.
1: Because but. Luke saw all the crazy shit as a kid, so... Yeah. I mean Yeah. I guess Shirley smell maybe I, I don't even want to get into that. It's I kinda weird. I don't but
3: remember um... what the other two were, but it was it was interesting <laughs> to read, but it's it doesn't add anything to the show. Right.
1: right. Right right. Um yeah, I don't I don't really recall Steve having any kind of I mean we had this him seeing the ghost experience as a kid with the, the clock worker, but that doesn't matter in That's the grand barely scheme of a things. ghost.
3: That's yeah. barely a yeah.
1: ghost.
3: I thought fi- can <laughs> I, I just I find you that you like to- yeah, no, you go, Jenny.
2: Uh, <laughs> I just, I think if you had to assign something to him, if you're looking at it through the vision, especially knowing that Mike Flanagan is really uh, inspired by Stephen King, and you're looking at the all of these different like powers, I would say that Steve probably has like strong mental fortitude because the house didn't affect him. His power is to not be affected.
3: That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 pretty interesting for sure.
0: That's that feels similar to something along the lines of like what I was thinking of. Um, but Matt, I don't want to cut you off because I knew that you were trying to say something as well.
3: Yeah, no, go ahead, go ahead. No, you talked the least.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I, I I was just thinking, uh, like on the lines of of that is because he was introduced first, and he's the oldest. He also has like the most, like again along the same lines of like mental resilience um yeah and that's just because he was forced to grow up the fastest out of there were, i mean there were so many children it, like one person had to so like uh like the reins right and so he had to be the m- more most mature and he had to be the most like rational and so he was yeah, allowed yeah. to take this time to say, oh, you know what, like, let's indulge in this in this crazy fantasy or this horrible nightmare you have because he had to stick to what was most logical. And so it, it's almost like he didn't have that wiggle room to experiment with, with the paranormal or with just these more extravagant ideas because he was so confined to the logic. It comes
2: down to steven's superpower is literally denial yeah quite
0: literally yeah
3: <laughs> well i i wanted to True. say because after after what you said Ginny, the first thing that popped to mind so his superpower is basically being stubborn as hell but then again so is theo <laughs> and so is shirley so that's not a unique one in that family
0: so then yeah no the thought is his strength also his like 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 is what he's good at also something that that tears him down or rather, I mean,
3: yeah, it's possible sure. because no, like the so house, sure. the house call. I like it's. It gets very wishy washy on you know what exactly the house is and that kind of stuff. And I'm sure we'll get into that a lot more. But the house kind of calls to people in certain ways to like come back mm-hmm. and <clears throat> be finished as a meal, quote unquote. And I don't think at Stephen being completely out of touch with any of his siblings, I don't think he ever would have had that urge. So it's not like a useless power where he's just like denying everything he, he would technically be protected from the power of that house but he just is still there because he wants to also protect his siblings he still wants to be the older brother
0: yeah
2: yeah i'd like to double back for just a sec because uh we got our opinions on the paranormal but reese i don't think you answered
1: Oh, yeah. That's oh,
2: right. that's very oh, true.
1: I, <laughs> I, I'm surprised that you caught that. I tried to slip by. Uh, I do. I do believe in the paranormal, yeah. <laughs> okay. But also to a certain extent, too. Maybe not fully, completely into it, but I for sure believe in a higher power because I I am of religion. So, yeah,
3: for sure. Oh, wow. What, what religion, if I may ask?
1: I am a Christian. All right. Yeah. So I do definitely believe in higher power. Maybe not you know fully on into ghosts and apparitions and things like that, but I do believe in something else greater than us or parallel to us, I should say. So yeah, for sure. Um okay. <clears throat> Yeah. <laughs> um so next in line, we talked about Steven and the next episode, I don't remember the name of it, but it's Shirley's episode. Um Ooh, good one. what is it called? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> is it? No, I'm not. Going, I find I'm not.
2: Shirley to be very controversial. Do you guys see that a lot? I, I see that there's a yes. really hard divide. Like most people hate Stephen. Most people it, love CEO. Yeah, and then Shirley yeah. is like. Mm.
3: It goes. It goes both ways. So, yeah. Some some people are like, "Wow, she's really annoying," and some other people are like, "Wow, you go, you go, queen girl."
1: really i've never seen that one before i've I've seen it it's called open
3: casket by the way the episode okay
1: yeah right um i i don't feel as strongly about shirley as i do with my feelings regarding steve but i still (laughs) think she's like i don't think she's unreasonable either sometimes sometimes i think she's pushing the denial a bit hard like steve is but I don't know. I feel like it is a divide with her, with me. I don't know exactly how I feel towards her myself.
3: What what the thing is with Shirley is it can just be best explained is she's uh, imperfect. She's aware that she's imperfect and she's hiding that by pretending to be perfect and pretending to think that she's perfect. I feel like all the uh, all the talk that she gets in the show of people you know, being like, oh, you think you're so perfect and that kind of stuff, I think she... Doesn't actually think that, but she puts up that charade to uh, hide the fact that she isn't perfect.
1: That's, that's
3: my that's controversial
2: it. take: I love Shirley.
3: Okay,
2: I actually love Shirley, and I uh, again, it's more character as a person. I do think she would be kind of annoying to be around. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think that the differences, the differences. Steve shut everything off and said, I'm going to protect myself. Shirley shut everything off and said, I'm going to protect everyone around me. It does not matter. And and it's very, she, she gets angry. Like, like she is anger that that's her allegory. But I think that the way (laughs) Shirley acts is almost always out of, preservation of others as opposed to preservation of the self i do think she puts on a very perfect front but i also don't think that she cares i don't think that her main goal is i'm going to be perfect no her main goal is i am going to be strong so that the people around me don't have to be
0: that's very interesting I, i i like that
3: Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. interesting. I don't think I I completely (laughs) agree with it. I do think that like for a lot of parts, you are right. Uh, I think for a lot of stuff that she does, do that a lot. But I do also think that she does also a lot for herself, personally. But a lot of the things that she does, and also a lot of the things she does for herself, I do also think that she does. Because she thinks it's best for the rest of the family. Best example is pretty much saying for everyone, we're not taking your money, Steve. I don't think that was because she was pissed off, and therefore no one else can have this money. She genuinely thought that everyone agreed with her on that, and just wanted to say it because they thought the others might be too scared.
1: Honestly, would you guys take the money? I just want to know what other people think about that. I would one hundred percent take wouldn't. that money, oh, but I also absolutely. would
3: not. I would not <laughs> mind being in that book. I would not mind. I don't care. I'll. 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 I'll
2: I think that there is a difference, though, because, I mean, I think about it, and I'm like, absolutely, but also, I'm not traumatized by the events, and that's not my parent that he's talking about in such a manner, and I think that it's not about taking the money, because I would take the money, but I feel like I could take the money and still say, Steve, what you did is really shitty, like, sure, I'll take 15k, but shut up.
3: What I, what I do think though is because I like what you said is it's not my parent being talked about I wonder if he in the book at any point talked about a certain mental illness because the book is supposed to sound like it's actually paranormal like he's, he puts on this charade like he actually believes in all of this uh, for all of his fans you know the, the, the Mrs. Walker in the first episode is shocked to hear that he's never seen a ghost I don't think he actually I- mentions that mental illness that being said he published
1: Yeah. I think I'm 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 certain in some points where I think it was the car scene episode eight where Hugh mentioned something about his mother in the vanity and he just straight up Yeah pretty much doubled down double down on the mental yeah. illness yeah, aspect. Yeah, yeah. And I, not, I'm not I'm not saying
3: he, he doesn't call mental illness because he does that constantly, but I don't think he did that in the book. So I don't think I that necessarily like has did. anything to do with Did he?
1: Oh also I I don't know. I I mean
3: We don't we don't see it, but it wouldn't make sense because he has supposed he the context that we get, it's supposed to sound like it is actually haunted. I think regarding
1: his mother though, did he I don't think he knew anything of Liv's situation until that final episode and only like a fraction of that was revealed to him. So what would he put in the book regarding Liv? If it's a Steven's book
3: i would also 100 like you know (laughs) flanagan i know you're listening to this because you're a huge fan (laughs) right 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 Stephen's book for us
0: please like there is no other version that i want to read than than that one honestly i think that's the one yeah like it's yeah there's so little that we know about it and it's like it's almost like your interpretation of of like the show gives you like your the interpretation of the book or like how you empathize with certain characters then reflects to how you like understand the book, I guess, which which we know nothing about, which is so frustrating. Um, yeah. But I do definitely think that mental illness was, um, like if not like directly mentioned, then definitely alluded to, because
3: he's
0: very strong on his I, opinion that everyone was sick, and like, why wouldn't he write about it if he's all about writing I mean, stories? Then,
4: well, you know, I don't think it matters
2: like, but I think I, that the point here, wh- what I was saying, like, why I would be so, uh, why I don't really understand, because that's not me. Uh, it's not my family that's being written about, is because I do think that that Stephen made the book seem paranormal. Because when Nellie is yelling at him, it, it's that he's taking their stories, even though he doesn't believe in it. So, it, but yeah, at exactly. Point, that yeah. would mean, he wrote a book about his mother dying because of a haunted house when on the outside he says no my mother died because she had a very severe mental illness and she committed suicide or maybe my dad had something to do with it you know that's Mm -hmm. questionable but that that whole monologue
3: is exactly what i yeah yeah no that whole monologue is exactly what i was pointing to when i said that the little context that we do get of the contents of those books uh is through that little monologue from nell where she does say you know she says stuff like you know you don't believe in any of it but you uh uh you make people pay for the privilege to talk, uh for you to talk about it
0: that's true. and that's yeah. yeah
3: that makes me think like he doesn't directly say maybe hint at or that he like you know uses it at a kind of a plot point like oh maybe she is crazy or is it actually haunted like you know he mm-hmm. makes it he makes it a conjuring movie or some stuff <laughs> um well,
2: and i think that's why Shirley's so angry yeah is because Shirley is more on the fence, I think. Steve is obviously, it's 100% mental illness. This is not Mm -hmm. haunting. We're all crazy. And then as it goes down the line, people become more and more accepting, as is the case. But I think Shirley being the most on the fence I think she's just mad that Steven wrote what he, whether or not they're lies, whether or not that's what happened. He believes that he wrote a giant lie and sold it to the world about them and their family without
0: their permission.
3: Yeah. Yeah, 100%. That's 100% why, why she's angry.
0: I'd be mad Jenny, too. Yeah, I, I would also be mad.
3: I would take the money, but I would also punch him <laughs> in the face. True. Like take I
1: don't money. see a reason not to take the money. Me <laughs> no, exactly. It's, still good it, money. It's, it's
3: not gonna stop him.
1: You're right, and it's not gonna stop the the book from selling and spreading, and yeah. you know, there's more people reading yeah, it. So why exactly. not take the money? I don't really, I honestly, I, I think I agree with you. I think it's kind of selfish not to take the money. You know, your family's name is dried through the mud already. Why it's, not just yeah? To call it
3: selfish. <laughs> is, I don't think is correct, but it's it's just kind of stupid and too stubborn for your own good.
2: Mm-hmm. It is stubborn. It's it's bullheaded standing on principle for no actual reason.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Jenny, coming back to what you said about Shirley being your favorite, I think. For some reason, I feel like Shirley is the one that we know the least about by the end of it. Yeah, I love
2: Shirley. She's not my favorite, but I I, controversial opinion that I do love Shirley. Okay, Um, got you. I do feel like we know very little about her, and I actually think that the biggest issue, and this is a very, very small issue, but I think that it's a slight issue of writing as opposed to uh, basically everything else as the writing is nearly (laughs) flawless. I think that by making Shirley's character arc about her marriage was kind of a flaw because we just, we don't actually get to see that much of her marriage. Like even in Nell's episode, you know, we get to see her marriage and that's part of what's so heartbreaking, but we don't know anything about them as like a couple and about their life or how they came to be as people, as her experiences from this house. So I, I do think we know less about her because of that. And I think that it separates her from the show a little more than everyone else.
1: Well, I, I Matt, think you um, you watched yeah. the like extended cut, and I I do know that Shirley's scene in episode ten is like extended upon in the in the director's cut. So, is there any more context to Shirley and anything else about Shirley in the director's mm, cut of the? Not much. Other not than much extra. Scene,
3: not much uh, other, uh, other than that one scene. No, okay. no, I don't think that because the extended episodes are 1, 5, and 10. Those are the only extended episodes. Oh, gotcha. And, okay. okay, okay. and not any of it is crucial information. It just adds to the world building mostly right. and it takes away a okay. little bit from the pacing which is why it was cut, which is why Director's Cut exists. It's just for people that enjoy that project so much they want more of it because right. uh, at that point you don't care about pacing anymore. But what I, what I think I'm um, the main reason why I think we don't know so much about Shirley is everyone is very uh, direct about their stance in whether they believe the supernatural or not. but Shirley uh, obviously pretends that she doesn't believe it for the sake of you know wanting to uh, live a normal life. But I do think deep down she, she does believe it, but she just doesn't she never shows it. And that is what makes it so confusing to think of, you know, what did she think about that? Because she never really, truly, truly shows that.
1: That's, I think so too. I think, well, I I feel like adult Luke, we don't really know much about. I mean, I think we know he still believes in the things from the house, but I feel like we don't get much of, I guess we'll get to that when we talk about Luke, but. Yeah, I agree with what you said. Mark. There's yeah,
3: there's there's some stuff about Luke that we know, we'll get into that at that point. But no, Shirley we know the least about uh but that's on purpose because of her character and how she is.
1: Right, right, right. Well, um Jenny, Roseanne, either one of you guys got anything to add about Shirley before we move on to Theo? I don't think I so.
2: just not me real quick, Shirley's episode, because we talked about Shirley a lot, but not Uh, much of what was happening in her episode because her experience in the house with the kittens um is every time i think of hill house i don't know why but that is the scene i always think of first is her holding that poor dead kitten as the bug crawls out of its mouth horrifying actually (laughs) horrifying
3: yeah 100 percent it's, I don't blame it's, her yeah.
2: for being traumatized and angry. I would be too. And
3: I I would never like I would never get out of bed for like a solid year if that happened to me.
2: <laughs> no, <laughs> that's it's, it's terrifying.
3: Not. It's and it's it's one of the things that I've always found so impressive about Flanagan's horror, like because a lot of his stuff really bends the genre into making it also acceptable. Uh, it's it's acceptable for people that aren't too. Uh, Adjusted to horror and get scared easily, but for the people that are adjusted to horror and don't get scared easily, it's usually one of the most terrifying stuff that they've ever seen, and it's because it's much more subtle horror. It's not jump into your face horror. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: well, it's sad. It, it's yeah. scary, but it's sad, and that just yeah. hits mm-hmm. so much deeper.
4: Yeah,
1: yeah. You know, you know what the scariest thing for me was in Hill House. No, but I it's wonder. so random, but the scariest thing for me were the hidden ghosts that I just so happened to like look upon at the most random fucking times ever. It was yeah. like, I don't know why I was looking anywhere else other than what <laughs> I was supposed to be looking at some of those times, but that sends chills down my spine. Every time I see it,
2: yeah, <laughs>
1: like...
2: absolutely, it's so funny. Every time I talk about being scared, I feel I say I think the actual most scared I was of Hill House was not even watching Hill House. It was after I had watched Hill House and I was alone in my house and I went to the Reddit and I looked at the post of all the hidden ghosts and I was like, those were watching me and I didn't even know it.
3: <laughs> I mean, those never super scared me i always just saw them as great easter eggs and great rewatch value the only one that did really scare me and we also talked a little bit about this in the other episode i think uh is the white haired ghost in the basement yeah, when they find william yeah. hill in the wall which oh, is sure. william hill in the wall is my absolute scariest thing in hill house but
1: i terrible. understand i can understand why yeah for sure
3: it's you know, i don't think a lot of people
1: paid attention to that and the, the finale. I don't think a lot of people listen to Trish's like story about that. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. It's like no,
3: it's it. it's mostly just that. This I can't listen to that scratching anymore. Knowing what it is, <laughs> oh, it makes me yeah. cringe.
2: Yeah, oh, it's unsettling.
1: It is. For sure. I can't. I can't um, wait for
3: her, for for him to do it again in in the Fall of the House of Usher because you know that I'm that's so gonna excited. happen because
1: gonna that's that's that's, that's not even a effect.
3: unique experience for a Poe character being stuck in something and having to scratch your ways out. That's that's like a <laughs> daily business for a Poe character. That's...
1: Like the three stories I know of are all regarding that in some way. So <laughs> <laughs>
3: that's a good start.
2: <laughs> I think it was his um, personal fear.
1: Oh really? Did he well, I mean it's a it's a, a fear to have for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's cringeworthy. worthy. The thinking about yeah. I, I yeah. think it's for me it's the nails like scratching against a like a rock or a brick that. Oh, like, I hate that anyway. Well,
3: it's it's everything about it. It's the fact that he was so desperate that he felt the need to brick himself in. Like what the hell? Has he seen that scared him so bad that he f- felt it was a better idea to brick yourself into a? Bo- <laughs> it's like it's like the whole monkey spa all over again. It's like the scariest thing is what they don't show you, you know, and just imply that it is so horrible. They do and do they do this and this and that.
2: That's uh, true, but I believe he had a similar experience to Olivia, where the the house taught him that the only way to be safe was to be stuck in it forever
3: yeah if i'm not mistaken uh it is point, trish I mean. trish says in the final episode uh, that is uh well it's something about fear and guilt but he also was like very scared of his daughter who was clinically insane which i mean that i'd be scared that too. <laughs> I mean that that is also that that tells back to one of my favorite lines in the entire show and it's when Mrs. Dudley talks to young Stephen about, I forget what her name is, but one of the hills. And uh, Mrs. Dudley says, she was, no, no, was, oh, maybe it was Poppy. Yeah, and Poppy. Mrs. Dudley says, uh, she was crazy. And Stephen says, yeah, she looks kind of wild. wild. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just, I can't with that line. It's so beautiful.
1: Yeah, I think it was, yeah, I think it was Poppy. for sure. Yeah, I think it was so Poppy too. Is William's Poppy's dad? I thought it was her husband. Am I fucking tripping here?
3: Also, he was scared of Poppy, uh, who was insane. And that's why he bricked himself in. I believe that's what they mentioned at one point. But I'm not 100% sure about that.
1: I'm a bit confused about the whole whole family aspect. Like, so So... Poppy told a story in episode 9 that I thought her daughter was Hazel. But when we saw Hazel and episode 9 as well, when she said she lies, I don't think she would talk about her mom like that. She didn't refer to her as her mom. She said Poppy, so is Hazel Poppy's... uh, What is going on with the family? Because Mrs.
3: Dudley apparently also uh, she mentions that she knew Poppy like when she was still alive, very old. She mentions that. So, So And she also knew Hazel.
2: So Jacqueline Hill is the daughter of Hazel Hill. And supposedly an unknown person, but Hazel okay, was also okay. married to William Hill, the one that went missing. And oh,
3: okay, okay, wait,
0: Hazel was
1: married so- to William. I- <laughs> so, so
3: <laughs> That's one of the most confusing parts of it. It really doesn't matter, but I want to know anyways.
1: I think- so wait is Poppy Hazel's? I- Never mind. <laughs> Wait, hold on.
0: I I think um oh gosh. No god. It's, it's <laughs> I I'm pretty sure that um See, I've, I've watched the show like ten times and I you you'd think I'd have it down by now, but I don't.
3: Yeah, <laughs> no, no, I have the exact same. Be... <laughs> but no, I don't have it down either. <laughs>
0: like we're like, we love Hill House, and we're like, who's who is connected to who? I, I think William mm-hmm. William Hill Who? Or was William <laughs> married to Poppy? Yes. I
2: That's believe so. Brother. Yeah,
3: they met in an insane asylum. They had they met they had in this the insane they had this asylum. school yeah, they had this school, quote unquote, uh, which is basically where rich people hit their embarrassments and they met there and they got married because they were both insane.
0: Yes, and then I believe that Hazel Hill oh. is uh, William's sister.
2: Yes. That's yes. oh, a sibling, okay. then. So, okay. siblings, Wait. and
3: then... And then that, Bucks, that would at least fit with the theme of the entire show.
1: Did yeah. we not meet Poppy's daughter? We saw her son, the wheelchair boy, but did we not meet the daughter? Is I, that the why daughter is, gave? I
3: think, the baby that, the baby that, uh, died. that, that yeah. Mrs. Dudley... Uh, Or Mr. Dudley hears cry, but I could be wrong about that because that could also be their own baby who died at miscarriage. See,
1: I thought it was their own body. I mean, baby, sorry.
3: It's it's possible it's both. It's a little confusing. I don't think it matters too much either.
2: Yeah, it's just a baby crying. I think it could be either.
1: Yeah.
3: Something I did notice, though. I know we're going to do it in a separate episode with Bly Manor, but it's mentioned that uh, Poppy Hill drew or painted blue boats on uh, her little daughter's crib. And Miles' room has blue boats as wallpaper, which oh, it could be a coincidence, cool a but it could also be a reference. No,
1: I doubt oh. it. There's, yeah, there's so Mike many callbacks in that it's show.
3: Yeah, it's <laughs> a callback. Yeah, okay.
0: Oh my gosh. Uh, did you guys, okay, on, on the topic of callbacks, did you guys notice that um, the mirror from Oculus was... Uh,
3: oh, yeah. Yep.
2: Yes, of course.
3: Yeah. What I Nell like Dance so much is... Right is what what Ooh, I what I like so much is I don't know, have any of you seen Oculus? I assume you have, yes. uh Roseanne, yeah. considering you mention it, but
1: <laughs> yeah,
3: Lise and Ginny, you?
1: Yeah, i yes. watched watch everything except for absentia. <laughs> Hill
3: Hill House is is basically uh the Oculus mirror, but on drugs. It's yeah. it's like just the Oculus yeah. Mirror, but so much more powerful. Yeah. <laughs> which I find really interesting, but it has very similar powers, like it feeds on people. I do genuinely believe that by feeding on people, it gains more power, which is why they all yeah. of a sudden see the ghost of their uh, mother and sister once now kills herself, because the house has feed, quote-unquote, and its range of power has uh, extended by, apparently, a lot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: sorry i was reading something um <laughs> my bad my bad um, um what, were, what were we talking about oh you can, you can
3: listen to it in the editing
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, right 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 my bad um uh theo i guess we move on to theo right that's oh. like the next logical step to- oh yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah
3: yeah makes sense we've been and going there uh, from love episode. I
1: love right. Theo. Right. Yeah, yeah Theo is great.
3: great. What I like so much, especially about the character as a whole, as other treatments of the character, because Theo is one of the characters that is directly taken from the book, uh, and also you know, obviously <clears throat> in the other adaptations of it. And I just love that uh, in every every single one, she's so suggestively lesbian, like in the book. It's so very suggestive, like it's never touched on directly. And in the 1999 version, it's definitely a little bit more hinted than in the uh, the uh, Robert Weiss movie and the book, but it's still very suggestive. And this one, like, immediately the first scene that you see her in, she makes out with a girl. Yeah, it,
2: there's I... no illusions. We just jumped right yeah, into it.
3: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're, they're like, you know, you, we've all been dancing around. We've all been beating around this bush. Let's just... Kick the shit out of it. She's she's gay.
1: <laughs> I did not read the source material, so I didn't know anything about that.
3: <laughs> I, did. I really like. Uh, I really like the book. I Also, really like the uh, the older movie from the sixties. I believe it's I think. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah.
1: it's So good. what's what's the old thing in the book, Matt? <clears throat> is she like uh, you said? They're not siblings in the book. So where is she? No, is she no.
3: Discussion? With the book, I I am reminded a lot more of Bly Manor, as in the theme, as in they're more. Because both the haunting seasons are very much about like a broken family coming together. And in Hill House it's much more like a already broken family fixing each other. And in Blind Manor it's a lot more sorry, pardon geez. me, sorry. It's no it's a lot more um broken pieces of different families coming together to become a new family by themselves. You know, even yeah. they are not blood related. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh and that's a lot more in in the book, The Haunting of Hill House. I think because you have you have the doctor who is in a, I believe, very unhappy marriage. Once again, it's mostly suggested, but she's a she's a real tool. You should know, Jenny. You read the book too, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then you have Theo, who is you know most likely gay, just broken up with her partner before she went to Hill House, and she never mentions anything about her family. I always took that as she was like kind of casted out of her family because she was openly uh, lesbian. I can imagine I can the family at that. that time. Yeah. And then there's Nell who was just a wreck after having to take care of her mother so long uh, and her sister and brother-in-law kind of just spitting her out finally trying to find her place. It's much more broken pieces of different families coming together in the book.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, and with Theo, she's not super similar. She's definitely not as stubborn uh, as she is in the book. She's very cynical uh, in that humorous way that you definitely also see in the show. But she's yeah. not as stubborn necessarily. <laughs> she's a lot more open and she's a lot more uh, considerate of other people's feelings, which I find very interesting. Yeah, I was going
2: to say she's not nearly as uh, presented as selfish as Theo is. Yeah. In the show. Yeah.
3: Exactly. What I do okay. like though is because the power she has is invented for the show but uh, she is a medium in the older adaptation which is interesting. I feel like that's a reference to that. She's like a medium.
2: Gotcha. Yeah and gotcha, gotcha. there's the, the constant reference I think in almost every adaptation there's been the reference to who was holding my hand. It just depends on who says it. Yeah. And yeah. in this case, Hill House Theo gets it as a child
3: yeah it's almost always Nell though in other adaptations it's almost I'm always Nell sure. so I think it's interesting the 1990 film I haven't seen in a minute and I don't intend to because it's not good it
2: was Nell in that one and the line is different also it's Nell. very stupid oh
3: my god <laughs> no that one was also directed by a Dutch guy so not so represent
2: um, mm. <laughs> oh,
3: I know sorry. I know <laughs>
1: Oh my! Um, <clears throat> I love think Theo. I, yeah, I was gonna say like <laughs> I think my first time watching Hill House, I think she was actually like my favorite character. I think like when I first watched it, now I appreciate all the characters for different reasons, so it's not as it's not so obvious anymore. But the first time around, I think I really, really, really enjoyed Theo the most out of the the kids, at least. Um, her episode was. It, I think it took me a while to catch on to what was so painfully obvious that she had some kind of ability. I felt stupid like when, when we <laughs> got to the end of it and it was confirmed I felt so dumb like I was wondering it was so many things that was like subtle too like I remember she um during her first t- the first time we see her do a therapy session or the second time maybe where she reached out to touch the boy's hand and we don't get a conversation she just immediately knows what's wrong. I thought that we just skipped the conversation. I was like, okay. I yeah. don't see the point of putting that in there. But, uh,
0: cool, cool, cool. We're done here.
1: <laughs> I was so confused. I felt stupid when we finished. But anyway, yeah, I, I love Theo a lot.
3: Yeah, no, it's it's great. With Theo, I've always felt like uh, she's the type of person that everyone wants to be but doesn't have the balls to be. Like, mm-hmm. everyone wants to be as direct uh, as Theo uh, you know, wants to tell people how she really feels, you know, when they're doing something wrong, okay, she will tell you. And a lot of people uh, that I know, at least, tend to not do that, at least not directly in people's face. So I, I think that's why so many people relate to Theo, because she's the type of person that a lot of people would like to be. But uh, I think aren't. so.
2: I mean, she really is, because she, she, she's a power icon in the show, just 100%. as someone who does absolutely push yeah. through everything yeah. and as i love Theo and i love kate siegel but i've always had one question about her and th- about the character as a whole is because i've always wondered why she wasn't closer to their dad because they all have questions about their dad and their dad's involvement but Theo knows and we know Theo knows um, why did she I, I... let him get so far away
3: I think because we do see what she sees, I f- and she sees only those brief flashes, and in those flashes, you could definitely see that 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 might be the bad guy. And of but she course, you know, just suggests-
2: she could have just like touched his hand one more time ever and but
3: asked him. Would a you like I don't think she like, wanted ma- to. like imagine imagine <laughs> seeing your own parent do something like that? And having the ability to see that, you know, with the off chance that maybe you saw it wrong as a kid or remember it wrong and he might actually be innocent, but there's also a very big chance that you're going to see him commit those horrible acts again would you do I it guess
2: maybe that's just me but yeah absolutely because wow, what okay. what are your two options your options are he did something horrible so i'm gonna treat him like the rest of my family does like he did something horrible or he didn't and we're all assholes but <laughs> if your option is to continue to treat him like he did something horrible anyway why wouldn't you want that confirmation like if it's I true if it's he did just... do something horrible nothing changes
3: because it's nothing already changes, you
2: just continue it...
3: It's already suggested that it's not fun for her to go through, like, you know, meeting someone within a millisecond of just touching them. And then to well, not be your parent and see him. Fun. No, no, obviously not. That's already very much into that. And then to think that I- I being think- your, your dad, seeing him again do all those horrible acts, that must be traumatic. And to, I can imagine not wanting to see that again. Like, if you see something traumatic, you don't want to... Revisit it. You don't. You don't go. Ah, oh, shoot! I wish I had filmed that so I could rewatch it. So I can definitely <laughs> see there's a downside to, uh, wanting to know. Like I can understand wanting to know, but uh, I, I don't think we should underestimate the downside to that, which is having to see that again.
2: I think that she, kind of shows throughout the show as a whole, though, that. No matter what she saw, I don't think she ever believed that what he did was wrong. I I don't think she believed it because I think that because she was so in tune with everything, I think Theo knew that something was wrong with mom regardless. And of course, Theo knows that something is wrong with the house. And you see it later And the way that she interacts with you, She treats him the most like a person, I think, in their Mm -hmm. older selves. Like she will talk to him after she... Yeah, outside of Nell, but Nell is you know gone by the point we see Theo. (laughs) Yeah. Um, No, I I don't think she wants to. I just think it's interesting.
3: But that is that is like what we see. You know, maybe she has by that point touched him again. It sounds really weird to say, but you know what I mean. And (laughs) we um, know. And (laughs) it's uh, (laughs) sorry. uh, downside to being the baby of the group um, <laughs> uh, I do think that uh, she didn't always know like we see only that but we don't see her treat her father before that I feel like uh, she might have also been cold to him back then but for some reason has turned around at that point point. and uh, it's interesting because I, I remember listening to Kate Siegel talk about specifically the uh, the her monologue about uh, or after that huge jump scare in the car, uh, and she sees that monologue as something more tragic, as her letting go of her sister, and a kind of an acceptance of the worst has already happened, which is also... And this is, this is all Kate Seagull's views that I have taken from uh, podcasts, uh, that the worst has already happened, and that is why she's able to let go of the gloves at that point, and I feel like because that happens the morning after she um... Uh, she, you know, the whole the whole event uh, took place with, uh, with Kevin, you know, when uh, Shirley walked in. Mm-hmm. And because she's so close with her sister, the worst thing that can happen to her is uh, them falling apart. And the worst at that point has technically also already happened. So it's possible that she is uh, a lot less scared of those other traumatic experiences, if that is a correct reading. I know right. that that's how Kate Siegel herself looked at it but I don't know if that's intended but that would fit then the question that you're asking you know yeah, at that point the, she's, she's point. not as scared of that trauma anymore
1: Jenny I actually I think the only one that really treated their father with like direct animosity was Steve I don't feel like the other kids really I mean they didn't see what Theo saw obviously but I, I, I would imagine that the police reports were made public to the rest of the kids too not just steve but i feel like steve was the only one that had any kind of animosity towards mm-hmm. hugh out of the children i least. think that
2: shirley kind of mm. does
1: i yeah
3: well it's well it's it's hinted at like nell you know obviously has still good contact with uh with her father luke is in yeah. rehab constantly so he can't even try
1: yeah uh, i was gonna Theo, say his it's, reasoning was like selfish reasoning so yeah. i think it was Theo, Theo's
3: uh, you know it's a little bit more ambiguous but what surely is suggested maybe not necessarily a certain uh, hate towards her father but there's a scene where uh, where it is said that the last time that he has visit visited them uh, their oldest child was still a baby at that point which yeah, at that point was like nine years child. ago yeah yeah he hadn't met the other child and he was like yeah but i have met you and he's like i don't remember that and it's like yeah well you were very <laughs> like, very oh. little yeah so that that was also a solid nine years ago last time he visited so they're definitely not on good terms i assume otherwise i, I mean, feel like they would have visited i
1: feel like well i think this distancing yourself and having animosity are kind of different things i feel like maybe Shirley was no well obviously Shirley was distant from him but i feel like steve was the only one that like directly said multiple times how much he didn't respect his father Mm -hmm. at the at that point in their lives
3: yeah yeah, i mean he's a a, a constant dick to us
2: yeah
3: but he's so he's in 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 episode in episode six he's so rude to you, it's it's almost sad to watch. You know, he, he tries to
1: very sad talk, to and
3: he falls over <laughs> his words. And then Steve walks past angrily and says, "Oh, that's great. That want to do the eulogy tomorrow." And I'm like,
2: Sh- "Shut up!" Oh my up. god! <laughs> literally, no. shut
3: let up. him speak. Let the man speak. And it's Steve? so it's so well done by by Timothy uh, uh What's his last name? The Hutton, the guy who think... plays yeah Hutton yeah something like that. Um, he plays it so well.
1: I said earlier that Steve had like a pretty reasonable, reasonable response to a lot of things, and I still stand by that. <laughs> but I will say, Steve had one line that I think made me the most mad out of any line in the show, and that's when he said the Roman paradigm. I did not like that. Oh, line at that all. hurt. I think that was yeah. It, I didn't like it.
3: <laughs> I I, I liked that, that line. line. Because it was so real and raw. It was real, for sure. It was so... And it hit you into your core, (laughs) because uh, right or not, you know, whether it is uh, what he said is right or not, obviously it's not right, but that's an entirely different discussion, but it is how he feels, and that feels like the first time he has genuinely been completely, directly honest with his dad, and you feel that. That's what I feel In that line. It is so I, painful, but in the best way.
2: It hurts, and it's so unfair, but I think that is the bravest Steve has ever been.
3: Yeah, well, 100%. <laughs> and uh, yeah, apparently, because there's also another scene where uh, where they were screaming at each other. Apparently, a lot of that wasn't necessarily planned to be that loud. Uh, and a lot of that <laughs> was, like, uh, improvised by by uh, Mikil, who plays Steve, And then Timothy Hutton just joined in. It's like, all right, you're screaming. Then I'm screaming too.
1: (laughs) I love that. You know what? I think it was, I'm going to say, I think most of that was liquid courage, but that is definitely the most brave. 100% (laughs) it was. And I I really (laughs) like
3: that you said, yeah, because I've I've tried to put it to good words, but I do think that what you said was absolutely perfect. That's the most brave Steve has been
1: that we see. Rosanne, I feel so bad that we're leaving you out. Stuff. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, no. I'm, I don't want I'm, you to feel like, like okay. <laughs> no, I'm just flat on the wall. Like I'm just listening. I, I'll I'll chime in when I feel like. i like yeah, I have something to say. Otherwise, I just I'm just listening. Okay. I'm just Learning. Uh, I think sure you ended up with some
2: out. naturally very vocal people. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, you don't even
1: know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Okay, Jenny, you can continue. Sorry, didn't mean to cut you off. <clears throat>
2: No, that's okay. Was I saying something?
1: Uh, well, not kind of like it was. We all were just kind of just yeah. <laughs> talking yeah. about. Yeah, the, the last thing
3: was um, says, I was saying was that I was agreeing yeah. with you. Yeah. Theo is, um, Theo
2: is wonderful. Theo is an icon. Yes. We love to
1: see it. <laughs> love Kate Siegel and her perfect attendance in the Mike Flanagan shows. Yes, um, I, I do also
3: think though uh, that. Um, and I love Theo as a character, 100%. And I'm not a big fan of Shirley, and I'm not a big fan of Steve. But uh, everyone seems to love Theo, yet she has a lot of the uh, same kind of stubbornness and uh, rudeness that and, that people really hate in Steve and Shirley.
2: It's two uh, which things. Which I always it's find one, interesting. I honestly think that Shirley doesn't get away with it because Shirley has resting bitch face. So you look at her, and she just looks mean, no matter yeah. what. Yeah. And I but think so does Steve Theo doesn't get away though. with it because Steve is whiny. That's what? the difference. Steve oh, doesn't get away with it because Steve is both mean and whiny. 100%. Theo gets away with it because she's mean, but she backs up her shit.
3: Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I'm not <laughs> saying it's wrong. Like I said, I really love Theo, but I do find that kind of interesting to see.
2: I also think that's a little Kate Siegel, because yeah, it's she can 100%. be being mean on screen, she... but it's just great to watch her face.
3: Yeah, she she also has like a very subtle resting bitch face. And it's very fun to see.
0: She has almost like don't you even dare try to mess with you, like I'll look like you to shred sort of energy. Yeah. Not in like a yeah. hostile, like I'm gonna kill you kind of way. Just like I'm gonna hurt you with my words almost.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Agreed. <laughs> like like she what looks do? And a- you're like, you know everything about me, which is yeah. true, just not in that exact context
3: Hmm. what I, what I do still want to say while we're uh, still on the topic of Theo is her episode what I really like about these uh, first five episodes, which are all obviously you know, about uh, each of the individual siblings, is they all also have uh, these little individual stories with uh, Steve's story it's the story of Mrs. Walker with the husband hanging on the wall which is, by the way, great tension building in scene. Uh, with <laughs> With Shirley's episode, it's Max seeing his uh, dead grandmother still on his bed. And with mm-hmm. Theo's, it's it's the extremely tragic story of the little girl uh, being molested by her foster dad. Um, something mm-hmm. that I want to point out about that is you have the scene in the basement where she is touching the couch where it uh, most likely happened. Uh, and she is feeling what is happening and her physical yeah. acting in there is so good. Like you that know is. what is going on. Yeah. It is so um, abstract what you see compared to what is going on, but you still know exactly what is going on. it's It's hard and painful to watch. Yeah.
2: It, it's a difficult one and it's a it's a really difficult topic to touch on. And I think that they handled it respectfully and also with just enough to be the emotional gut punch that it needed to be to Mm -hmm. show you what Theo is dealing with as a person, as Mm -hmm. an adult, who has graduated from her childhood trauma into dealing with everyone else's.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it shows you
3: why she has her fear of, like, letting people in, because uh if they have like baggage or trauma, she doesn't just like hear about the about that. It's not just like trauma venting and then you know you hear about it and you feel for them, it sucks, but that's it. No, she goes through it. Yeah. With them. Uh so it also really hammers home why she is so uh scared to let
1: people in.
0: Yeah.
1: For sure. Um uh Matt, going back to what you said about the like the individual stories within those first five episodes, a good transition um, point right here would be to talk about the one from episode four, which was Gordon's story about home oh little God. girl with the man. That that has to be like horrifying. Uh yeah, for sure. It's so I Ah, it makes me cringe. I think it makes me cringe. <laughs> it makes me yeah, cringe uh, more than the, the brick thing with um Mr. Hill. I think that's like if I even get like a speck of dust in my eye, it kills me for like twenty you minutes. Just, I you just feel imagine. them running over
3: your eyes. I can't cry anymore. <laughs> I just feel like shit. Man, are my eyes melting? Are my eyes melting?
4: Oh my
3: God. Yeah. <laughs> no, oh it's one hundred percent. It's absolutely terrifying. Uh, yeah.
2: Um yeah, it's it's horrifying and I oh man, I don't like it. I don't like the follow-up that happens later in the show. Yeah. No. Even it also <laughs> it also
3: leads up to one of one once again, one of the more funnier lines is where that story is over and then Paige asks, like, Oh, does anyone else want to go? You know, maybe Luke and then Luke says, Following that.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so. Real, <laughs> it's so it's so funny.
3: <laughs> Real quick, I'm just going to uh, mute myself real quick. I, uh, I need to get something to drink. I have a very dry throat okay. right
1: now. Alrighty. Uh, well, Luke. I think I now, that <laughs> now that I'm... Now that I'm on my like 13th rewatch, I feel like now Luke is one of the most... well, the one I sympathize with the most. Um, I feel really bad for Luke. I, I, I am my only child, so but... Yeah. I I can feel that. I, I didn't grow up with siblings and things like that, but I can really feel that sense of nobody believes me. Nobody ever listens to me because I, I don't know. It's just something that resonates with. I think a lot of children about all kinds of different issues, even like the kind that happened in Theo's episode that we kind of touched on at the end there. It is certainly a feeling that's very relatable to, I think, most people at some point in their lives and luke's unfortunately evolved into what he does today as well what he did up until that time in the story it's a really sad story i feel horrible for him it's i
2: really luke breaks my heart luke makes me so sad and i feel for him very deeply but I also will say, I think his episode is the weakest in the show.
4: Really? Wow. That's interesting. That's nice. felt I know, that was
2: that, that's
1: hot take. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> no, it's, it's just interesting. I, I, I never heard anyone say that before. No, really no, exactly.
3: It's 100% not the strongest, but the weakest. That's I think mine is day.
1: episode seven out of could you, all of them. But
3: Could you expound a little bit on that more, Jenny?
1: Yeah,
2: absolutely, because it's there. there's nothing wrong with it because, honestly, there's nothing wrong with the show, and it's still a good episode, and I still I still feel for Luke as a character, and I still think that everything that needs to be there is there for the most part. Um, but I think the thing for me was, A, I don't like the storyline with uh, Joey. I just don't think it's necessary. It feels really that's, unnecessary that's to me fair. Mm-hmm.
3: It feels, um, as a whole. Um, it feels, but uh, that's not necessarily criticism. The whole relationship with, uh, with Joey feels uh, naturally unnatural, if if that makes sense.
2: I know, and I think that it's, it's supposed to. Well, I think it's supposed to exactly make you a that is supposed to be. Cause, you know,
3: because when when she uh, kisses him, it's like this is weird. This this, this so feels weird. this this feels feels weird, and at the same time, it it's like okay, but. That is, that is on purpose, because this should feel weird. He probably has barely ever had a kiss. I don't think junkies are very uh, busy with kissing action. Yeah, and we exactly. know
2: that. Like, f- from the outside, we know that. That he's too close to the situation. He doesn't see it. And yeah. I, I think that that's well-written and well-acted. <coughs> uh, and so that we do see that. But I just don't feel like it was necessary. And I also feel like... Um, Luke's experiences as a kid the better ones we see in other people's episodes like Theo's episode
4: yeah Um, Luke's
2: horrifying experience in Theo's episode absolutely horrifying um excellent and then in his episode we get some of the the very small downfall to the show which is some of the effects are not great um I don't think that the tall man is frightening and really? i i, mean, really? I, I, I find that like one horrifying, is <laughs> <a little> horrifying.
3: <laughs> that is that is, volume, that is william that is william hill by the way that is supposed to be yeah. Yeah. william yes. hill
2: yeah and Absolutely. i think it is horrifying
3: so that one's scary yeah, me i'm like that is not
0: scary at all no, to me and i and don't know why it's not scary in my opinion
3: it's not okay. Well, maybe I'm just a big old wuss. That's also very much No, no, but, I, I also no, I think get it. Pretty, and, pretty, but pretty it, it horrifies <laughs> me. And what I like so much about his connection, because he has a connection to William Hill. Uh, it's you know, he he himself always feels very small. You know, even as a as an adult, mentally mostly. I believe Oliver Jackson-Cohen is like six foot something.
1: Well, that's but, that's yeah. Steve's fault too, making him feel small a lot. Mentally, he's yeah, always, Steve. yeah, <laughs> yeah. He
3: says he says uh, in his like uh, in his own episode, he has like the end monologue when he gets his when he gets his ninety day chip, and he says he's always been a scared little kid, and he always thought that that would go away, but no, he just got scared of new things.
4: Mm-hmm. So yeah. he's
3: always felt very small. And William Hill had a similar arc, uh, which was revealed by Evil Trish in the last episode she uh she' tells I'm so the, sad the that that was just email. like
1: a, a throwaway kind of thing i I wish she got a little bit more focused I feel like a lot of people ignored that or like they just thought she was spelling out about random you know nonsense i think people but- just
3: don't really make the connection they might even at one point be like oh yeah someone else was also bricked in that might be a reference to that but they don't because uh, Most... William Hill doesn't get mentioned in that, because that's the thing. Is yeah, it does The connections are there, but they're hard to find, you know, because you assume it's William Hill because he has the cane. Uh, and the cane is also stuck behind the uh, wall with the corpse. And then, yeah. you know, so you're like, oh, that tall man and that man behind the corpse, you know, could be the same person. And then also it's there's talk about... Uh, someone being bricked up again, that's in that episode. So the connections are there, but they're not very explicit. So I don't think people until always the, realize.
1: Until the scratching on the wall part came up, and then I think that's where it clicks for some people. But
3: yeah.
1: Oh, I wish it was like a bit more focus had a bit more focus, so people can really like disappreciate what Mike did right there. But for the people that do find it, I think it's rewarding in that sense. Yeah, so.
3: oh, it's 100% rewarding. It yeah. was so satisfying <laughs> to see. Especially because there's just such a connection between you know that's there there's that connection between William Hill and and Luke how they both feel small, feel right. small,
1: yeah. I just want to say and, and it something is a good random. Comparison. But uh, oh, you go on, Jenny. <laughs>
2: no, it's fine. I, I was just agreeing. Like it, it is good to see the, the connection between those two characters and the 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 fear being linked to something that they both felt. It doesn't make it scary to me, but it's not that it's bad writing. It's excellent writing.
3: I mean, it's not even that part that necessarily makes it scary. That whole sequence, I remember the first time. I was was—I was right there with little Luke. I was not breathing, just holding my breath like shit man, what if he's behind me and could hear me? I don't know. Nah, <laughs> it was a very creepy scene to me. Uh, Jenny,
1: I don't I think it's creepy imagery above everything else. I don't think it's like directly scary to me. I think it's just oh, the, yeah. the imagery of it. He's I sh- find sh- so the imagery tall. really
3: corny. And like, He's so really? tall. It's so funny <laughs> it's, to me. And it's,
2: it's, it's not, I think it's because for the most part, not all of the time, but for the most part, horror is best when you show very little. And in this case, they sh- chose to show a lot. And that a lot, to me, did not... It-, it didn't give me that childish, I should be hiding under the bed feeling. It gave me a very, okay, well, that's on screen now, kind of feeling. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: No, that's fair. Obviously, that's fair. Uh, I I don't agree. It's I can un- definitely understand uh, what you're saying. You know, like I, I mentioned it earlier, it's the whole monkey's paw business, you know, where... The less you show the scary it is because the mind can only make up more uh things that are the mind can make up things that are scarier than that you can possibly see so it's best left to the imagination but this one i just so don't. i will
2: say his creepy long fingers like as oh they that's imagery i don't like that's a little yeah. upsetting
3: but <laughs> that is also you don't see a lot. You just see his long fingers, exactly. and besides that, who knows fingers. what's Perfect. who who those are attached to? Definitely not human. I think it's
1: human. I think his face, like I think his face went into frame because he bent down without actually little bit, yeah. a little yeah, bit.
3: Yeah, you do see a
2: little. Yeah, you see this, like, like an eye. I think Yeah. Yeah.
3: No, I just he's he's intimidatingly tall. Yeah,
2: like, it's like an example, and the
3: way he just. The way he just floats over the floor, you know. Uh and the tapping of the cane, which okay. is, I think, also a reference to the novel. Uh, Ginny. I don't know if you agree with that. You have like a the, yeah, the couple of scenes so. with you have like the couple of scenes where there's uh banging on the wall, those are more yeah. direct From direct scenes, but uh, it starts out in the novel, it also starts out with like soft taps, as if it's trying to find something, which that reminds me of the sounds of the cane. Yeah. And also in the novel, it's a very scary revelation that whatever is making those banging noises is super tall, because the banging is very high up on the door, like inhumanly tall.
0: Yeah, I thought... So it also feels like a reference to the book, so...
3: And I'm a sucker for that book, so...
0: I actually
1: agree with that. Um, Jenny, I, I don't know. I I can definitely see what you're saying, though, about that. I, I think and maybe... It's not...
2: Like I was saying, it, it's still... It's not that it's a bad episode by any stretch, and it's not that it's not necessary. I just think that it could have been... I think it could have been stronger. I, I think that we could have focused on Luke himself a little more rather than the kind of awkward storyline with joey um and i also think that despite how good everything is in like from a filmmaking perspective i think it feels like the creators were definitely more comfortable in our small spaces in in the house, in individual rooms, yeah. in oh, yeah. the, the yeah. funeral home. And then we step out like onto the streets and things, it feels weird. It doesn't feel right. And, and I think that that's part of what makes me like take a little step back from it. Yeah. it. It doesn't feel as immersive because it doesn't feel like they were as comfortable in this zone.
3: Yeah, yeah. That's, that is very fair. That feels uh, weird also to be in that situation, to just see the outside of uh of uh, Los Angeles, I believe it is.
1: Yeah. yeah.
3: yeah. So, uh, no, that that is def- definitely fair criticism. My personal least favorite episode has always been by default just the first episode. Just oh, because really? I always keep in mind... I always want to keep in mind with stuff like this uh, is not just my personal enjoyment for the, you know, 11th time that I'm going to be watching it <laughs> now. Uh, but also, I try to put myself back into the first time I watched it, and I remember uh, being Mm -hmm. very put off the first time I watched the first episode. It's a bit slow when you don't know what's happening yet, and it's very confusing, jumping back and forth between the timelines, and you haven't just met all these characters quite yet. It's a little confusing, and I always keep that in mind when looking at things. Like, first-hand experiences are very important to me uh, when rating things. I feel like a, a a first good watch is important. And that's why I've always the kind of of by default. I would directly so def-
2: counter that with the fact that uh, the big reason I don't rate the first episode at as low as this one is because I watched the first episode. A- and here's the thing. I kept watching. The first okay. episode did its job. Yeah. Like really? I was interested. Yeah. Like I needed to know what was going on, even if I was a little confused. But <laughs> by nature, I was going to be confused. I wouldn't be introduced to these concepts or all of these characters until the show was over. Like, hmm. by nature, I'm gonna be a little confused, but I think that it did what it needed to, and I think that it felt, I think it felt very competent and very comfortable the entire time.
3: I mean, I'm just gonna put all my cards on the table. I'm a big dummy-dum when it comes to stuff like that. I, I, I need <laughs> my time to shit with movies and stuff, like... <laughs> Uh, if a movie keeps throwing on characters in my face not remembering what those characters are and halfway through the movie finally like 45 minutes in I'm finally like oh so that's that guy and he did that and he killed him and he stole that from that guy you know (laughs) so that's also a personal thing for me
0: that's fair
3: Um, but personal enjoyment I also take very seriously whenever I am rating something so I also can't really change Mm -hmm. that
1: so, so Matt, yours was the first episode, and Jenny, yeah. yours was the fourth episode. Roseanne, what's your least favorite, or like the one you? Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't want to say least favorite, but what's I think the least one favorite you... is the best word for it. I think the, probably
0: the one that I had, like, I guess yeah, like my least favorite. And again, I feel like this is definitely a hot take, but I'd say Shirley's episode, like, open casket. I was okay. I did not like it much. Um, like it, and there it was nothing about the episode that just didn't really like hit, quote unquote. I guess like it was really well done and it drove the story forward. And I think there were a lot of aspects that really like shown through for for Shirley's character and just like all around de- development. But I just felt like I couldn't really connect to it, and that's a lot of what really like, tied me into the show is just how, like, how much I connected to all of the characters and how, like, how big of a role empathy played for me. And I just didn't feel like that totally shown with that, with Open Casket. And mm-hmm. it just, it all just kind of felt like it was happening in front of me, but I wasn't taking any of it in. And it's been the same throughout all, all 10 of my rewatches. It's it's just okay yeah like this this episode exists and i'm i'm going along with it and i'm watching it but i i don't feel anything significant towards it it's happening on screen yeah yeah
3: it's it's kind of a it's kind of a feeling of it's there because it needs to be but that doesn't make it good
0: yeah that's exactly how i that's exactly yeah
3: i can i can't speak for the rest of the community obviously but i don't think that's necessarily a super hot take it's definitely well, on my lower episodes yeah I don't know about <laughs> the rest of the people but it's definitely on my lower episodes
0: that's interesting a lot I of the think... people that I know that have watched it have been like oh like the first three episodes or where it's at like I'm like yeah okay first and second episode absolutely I love and, mm. and just to um to kind of piggyback on what Jenny, what you were saying um about how the the first episode hooked you I, I felt the same way I was like okay a lot of the times and maybe that's a, like a sweeping statement maybe not a lot of the times but there have been times where I'm watching it like the first episode like the pilot of a show and I'm like this is just not it like there are 10 people I don't know who they are I'm not interested but the way that that Flanagan and and all of the creators delivered the first episode I was like I want to know more and like I had no idea like I watched I think I watched it a year or two after it was first released I didn't even know it existed and so, like, my friend was just like, hey, like, let's watch this. Threw it on. We watched, like, six episodes in one night. And if it wasn't for that first episode, it like, if we had started from the, 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 the second one, no, couldn't have done it. It was the first one that did it for me. So I agree with you there.
1: Understandable, for sure. I, yeah, I honestly, no. I think I might agree with you, Rosa. I think it's a toss-up between the seventh episode and the second one, but... I think the seventh may be my least favorite eulogy. I think that's my least favorite, mm-hmm. but it's a toss up between that and Shirley's episode for me, too. So it's completely understandable. I don't think it's a hot take. I think those two episodes are usually the ones that are at the bottom yeah. most of the time. But yeah.
2: <clears throat> I'm I think sure that my, I say. is
1: a. Oh, yeah.
2: Oh, I I will say I think that a lot of the the reason those first two episodes, though, do show up really often when people are talking about these are my least favorite um, is kind of what we were talking about already is that. Of course they are, because if all you do is watch this show one time, by the end of it, you know them, you love them. But if you don't go back and rewatch them, then when you watched episode one and two, you yeah. didn't know them. You didn't love them. Yeah. So of course that's going to be on your mind. Yeah. Which,
3: is, which is, but that's, that's, that's exactly the point that I make, because now I love episode one. I think it's a great episode.
4: Right.
3: But just right. that first time, I... Uh, And I try to channel that every time I think of rating the episodes because I think it's very hard to rate these episodes. (laughs) It's like you know the uh, the 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 top ones for me have always been like two storms and uh, episode five, the bent neck lady. I think those two are 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 equally up there. You know what,
1: Matt. I actually want to pick it back off of you right now. I think that's the reason why I just don't feel the the seventh episode too much because it came right after what I consider to be the best. It was episode. extremely,
3: yeah, one hundred percent, yeah. But um, and then after that, point. you have like a bunch that are really, really good. You know, like yeah. Uh, 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 the. Informative. Yeah, exactly. Wait, the ninth is episode.
2: Guilty? Is that Dad's episode?
1: Technically, seven, yeah, a, seven you know. and
3: eight are kind of dad's episode. Like yeah. they're they're half dad's episode, half we're finally moving the story along.
1: Mm-hmm. But seventh so. is the one that that's like mostly centered around the the graveyard situation. Yeah, yeah. So. and the eighth uh, one okay. I think is yeah.
3: also really good, uh, mostly because a lot of the stuff that uh that happens between Timothy Hutton and uh uh you older you and uh, and steve that's why i think episode eight is great obviously episode nine is really good you know finally seeing the mother's perspective i think poppy is absolutely terrifying i think (laughs) um uh liv's fear is something that and i obviously don't know this because i'm not a mother but i think that's something that so many people can relate to and it's a fear that your own you should you can almost be kind of ashamed of you you could be ashamed of that because you're like you know you can't have your son in your house till they're 30 but you want to because you want to keep taking care of them you don't want bad things to happen to them and you feel like the only way to do that is to constantly keep an eye on them and constantly take care of them but you can't do that because that's not socially acceptable
2: for sure all right right. well i will withhold further commentary on the later ones as we we move on
1: true um (laughs) I know, Jenny, you said you really resonated with Liv a lot, but we'll get to it. and
2: We'll get there. When we get
1: to, yeah. <laughs> um. So I think Nell's episode, Next in Line, Bin Neck Lady, what yes, I yes. think is my second favorite episode. I really love this episode a lot. 100%. Yes. That, this episode
3: fantastic. is incredible. That twist blew my absolute <laughs> mind. Did you guys get it, like, the first time watching? Did you yeah,
1: guess yeah, it at one I also? did. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I, I how don't... about you roseanne i did yeah i, I caught th- it I I th- th- i'm
3: telling you i'm an idiot with these kind of things i just don't see it how i don't do you
1: know what if... the the deal thing i was like oh my gosh she can she has powers <laughs> like i it took me so long <laughs> I'm so
3: that long. sounds like that's... something i do i actually i think i <laughs> i i i wasn't too far off my first time
1: watching <laughs> I, but, I just didn't know it was leaning in that direction with the abilities thing, so I, I think that's why it threw yeah. me off a little bit.
3: <laughs> but like, you know, uh, I may be an idiot, but boy was that twist so great for me because that's the first time I realized what was happening.
1: Yeah. yeah, uh, it, it,
3: and it I kind of figured mind. it
2: out but I didn't 100% know and it didn't, even though I was figuring it out, I don't feel like the, the emotional resonance really hit until we got exactly what the twist was and then oh my god it's devastating and
3: but that's also so much of the editing which is you know that's how flanagan started so obviously that's where one of his biggest strengths lays because you have this sweeping score of of everything that's happening you know and right up to the point where she's actually you know falling off the balcony uh being kissed away by her mother and then complete silence and huge cracking sound and then just nothing but chirps and you sit there for like a solid five or ten seconds with what's just happened and then it picks back oh, up you right. realize it's not over yet something more is coming yeah. and it's so well edited it's insane like I like you can probably start a film school a professional film school just show the hunting <laughs> of Hill house and they would all
1: graduate
2: I, is- I think that would be a valuable tool. <laughs>
1: yeah Yeah, it was so much anxiety for me when Liv gave her the necklace because I immediately caught on yeah oh I did catch on to that one as well
3: I was like yeah yeah (laughs) something that I I wanted to say it's something that has always intrigued me and it also has partly to do with episode 9 I know we don't want to get into that too much but I want to get it because I I'm thinking of it right now it's Because you have two very similar uh, shots of, like, the mom falling and Nell falling uh, from the stairs. You know, they're in pretty much the same position, except Nell has a rope around her neck. Something that I've always noticed and has intrigued me, and I don't entirely understand what it's supposed to mean. Like, I kind of get it. Nell needs to be, quote-unquote, pushed. She gets that kiss from her mother, which is the thing that makes her fall. She doesn't want to fall in that moment. Liv falls by herself. Uh, Poppy uh, pulls out her hand to push her, but it never touches Liv. She falls by herself.
2: I think, I will say, I think that there's a little bit of... Uh... Ambiguity as to whether or not Poppy would have actually even been able to push her, and I think that might be why she never touches. But I also think that, that there's some merit to the idea that because you're right, Nell did not want to jump, and yeah. Liv absolutely wanted to jump. I think that that's yeah. the difference: is Live took a free fall, and yeah. Nell had to continue to be held by the house. Yeah, yeah.
3: I do, I do think though that Poppy would have probably been able to. Her. I mean, Liv was able to kiss Nell. She was a ghost at that point. I don't see a reason why Poppy wouldn't be able to push her if she would have wanted to.
1: I mean, Poppy well, touched kissed her, all
2: but of them. yeah, <laughs> I-, I do think that Liv kissed Nell on the forehead. But also, you know, kissing her on the forehead didn't push her. Like, I think that ambiguity. No, exists no, not, for not entirely.
3: Reason. For sure, for sure, not entirely. Uh, but I do think that that feels on purpose. Because they focus on it so much in episode 9. Like how she is clearly not touching her.
2: Yeah, I think... Also, I think the difference is... Go for it. No, I've talked it... plenty. <laughs> it's okay, you go ahead. I, I just... I think that Liv is... Liv has been driven crazy by the house. Like, like her mental state has been thoroughly deteriorated because of the house and yeah. Nell's mental state has been thoroughly deteriorated mostly because of her very tragic life
4: Yeah, like
2: the house doesn't have as strong of a hold on her the hold mm-hmm. is her mom
4: yeah her
0: okay. mom has a hold on her more than the house yeah
4: yeah
0: I'm I'm glad you went first because I was literally going off off of that essentially with N- nell is always so hesitant and what's what's more than the word of her mother to get her to do something that she's not sure if she wants to do
3: mm-hmm. yeah exactly uh, well i'm not saying it has some bigger meaning but I'd say it's it's something that i've always noticed and i've always thought about like when i think about this show that's something that always pops into my mind it feels so on purpose which makes me feel like it's super meaningful but i it, it feels too easy to say this means she didn't want to jump and her mom did want to jump. That feels too easy almost. You know what I mean?
2: I agree. i don't I don't yeah. think it's that easy because I don't yeah. think that Nell I don't think that without the push, I don't think Nell would have jumped. Like, actively, yeah. without any other interference. I don't necessarily think that she would have, but the fact of the I matter mean the house is, Nell was mostly haunted by herself. Yeah, and yeah. Nell was... The house yeah.
3: is, is tricking her in, in into, you know, even putting on the rope with the necklace.
2: Yeah. It's
1: anxiety. completely involuntary. So much anxiety.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, literally. <laughs>
1: all right um i don't even i don't we've been talking about all these characters in order but i feel like simultaneously we've also been talking about the episode so i guess we should just move on to episode six gradually yeah. i mean something, it's about the characters but
3: <laughs> something that oh, i wanted to say real six. quick before uh, before uh we move on to the next episode, but Nell's episode, we have Dr. Monocue, which is a character from the book, obviously way bigger in the book. Mm-hmm. Something that I was like, and I can't remember if I also mentioned this in the last recording, but then I guess, you know, yes. uh, Roseanne, you you uh, wouldn't have heard that. So this is also nice for you. The actor who plays uh, Dr. Monocue is the actor who plays Luke in the, uh, in the very old adaptation from the 60s. Yes. And he was... Officially retired uh, at this <laughs> point, but he was happily uh, uh, he happily came back out of retirement for this role.
0: Yes, I, I have. That is that. so much fun. I loved I love yeah. like knowing that, and it's, it's so nice. to Yeah, hear it's that. great. that's great. And nice that's so that's a
3: lot of the stuff that was uh, that was restored in the director's cut because a lot of that was cut because it's not super important. Doesn't do too much, but it is fun for that actor. Yeah. So a lot of the lines from him. Uh, are restored in the director's cut. Still, absolutely <laughs> recommend that.
1: I still need to watch that. I need <laughs> to get on top of that as soon as
3: possible. It's a yeah. It's on Savvy, I think I don't know if you uh, you're uh, familiar with Savvy. but
1: I am not. But I will. Uh, <laughs> I look. Into
3: it's a it's a it's a DVD website uh, oh, where okay. you can buy stuff like that. I know gotcha, it's on there. Gotcha,
1: gotcha. gotcha. All right. I think what all of us pretty much summertime well i don't know about you roseanne because you wasn't here the first time but i the other us three we all believe that this is like our favorite episode of the show which is two storms um it's a a technical masterpiece to say the least honestly oh my god
3: it is (laughs) like i was making a joke about just doing hill house as 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 like a school on its own this episode could be an entire study on its own yeah it's insane
1: for sure yeah yeah
2: it's a masterpiece
3: it's 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 insane and yeah uh and i don't want to spoil too much from the from the director's commentary because obviously i i want you guys to go watch that but flanagan said that uh the longest shot in there which is i believe the first time we return to Uh, present day so you know you're in present day then you go to the house and then you go back to present day that's the longest take Uh, they did that while they're uh, uh, I'm not sure what device they used exactly it was specifically necessary because people were standing up and sitting down again so the camera camera height needed to change and they needed to use a specific camera trolley for that and that thing was holding on for dear life like it was almost (laughs) entirely broken and they didn't have the time to get a new one uh and so that was so scary to film because it could break at any moment and it broke literally a couple of seconds after the
1: shot was finished oh man oh my gosh what timing oh my god God. yeah yeah it's insane i'm so glad they finished that (laughs) i think it's i just found it so cool and funny that they built this set around this episode and it doesn't come until after the halfway point i love that for some reason yeah, that's because the set had to be built around that. There's, there's no way. Well, and I
2: love be... that it doesn't negatively affect the set. They did such a good job because it's a beautiful yeah. set. Yeah. yeah,
3: yeah, it's amazing. And there's also there's you would never look else... at
2: it and go, "This was built specifically so yeah. that we can go back and <laughs> no, forth." it just in a felt like the exact. Shot.
3: Yeah, it just felt like the exact same thing. There was one other moment that they talked about in the uh, director's commentary that absolutely blew my mind. You have like lifts whole sequence right where she you know keeps on disappearing and kind of teleports into different places i was so
1: curious about that you Honestly. have a,
3: you have a moment where uh you know you see Liv go around the corner you follows her and then it's a dead end and
1: right
3: okay they used a body double for Liv there and that body double is stuffed around the corner that is like you know the edge of that corner just out of frame.
0: Oh, that's it. So cool. And it's insane in and to think it.
3: about. It, it, if if you see that with that in mind, you're like, holy, what the hell?
1: Is she that's... visible at all, though? No, she's not
3: visible at all. It's perfectly done. But
1: I I thought it's... I was tripping when I like I just rewatched it the other day, and I swear I thought it was a like a I thought I saw a door on the right hand side over there. No, I don't no, know it's not a door
3: thing. I thought that too. It's not a. It's not a fake door because they have fake doors all over that place for exactly those purposes. But they didn't have one there.
1: Oh, that's. I was. She was was just curious about that. (laughs) Laying
3: on the floor, hugging the corner, basically, (laughs) just out (laughs) of frame.
1: (laughs) It's insane. Fantastic. (laughs) Oh man, this. I think my favorite shot in this episode wasn't even. I, I think the most obvious one that most people go to is the um the the shot where the adults and the kids swap, which is a fantastic oh, it's shot.
3: It's So great. Incredible. And it's so yeah. painful because for you, they are still those kids. He hasn't he's has barely seen them as adults. He's the True. most he's seen them as is, is these kids. For so for him, they are these kids. And it's right. especially heartbreaking when he sees uh Little Nell in the in the casket instead
1: of Victoria Pedretti. Oh, uh, yeah. So painful. My
0: goodness.
1: Did you? So Matt, you watched the um, you watched the director's commentary. Yeah. Did they have like an elevator for the shot where it starts when it's Hugh and um live upstairs and they hear yep. a noise downstairs. It was an elevator. They
3: had, yeah, they had an elevator for that. And the biggest problem that was one of the biggest problems in that shot. It like it was it went wrong like seven times or something with that elevator because it didn't look natural. But it is an elevator indeed.
0: Very
1: interesting. That sounds... uh, I've been in... I've worked on my first share of them short films and things like that and it's just a nightmare to get things to work correctly even with just a regular shooting schedule and doing regular shots. So I cannot imagine (laughs) how... Not only stressful, but just how chaotic it is to do a long one shot like that. It has to yeah. be like the most. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I really need to see that. Oh, I, I mean, need to watch it, man.
3: Because with stuff <laughs> like that, we're always like, "Oh, so great!" The director, so well done. I feel like we need to also shout out the DOP.
1: Oh yeah, Michael oh, yeah, Familiari,
3: sure. who's insane. He is so good. He is de- genuinely one of the best DOPs in the business right now, without a doubt. He's so good. And uh I don't know if you guys also know about this they uh, he and Flanagan have this like little gag where in every uh, every sh- every project they do, they want a 90 degree turn and they've done this ever since they worked together for the first time, which I think was on Ouija or before I wake one of the two I don't remember which one of those came first. A 90 degree rotation shot which is the most useless shot ever but it's just become this <laughs> gag between them and they've since always pulled it off you know thinking of like this the, the 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 scenes in midnight mass where uh zach gilford you know he sees the girl he's hit uh yeah. you know that that goes into that 90 degree shot that kind of stuff mm-hmm. but yeah what no I just, I just i just wanted to where Sorry?
1: was it? I don't remember. Where was the? Where in was that the episode, I'm episode
3: not yet? sure. In Hill House, where is it in Hill House? Anyone, any
1: ideas? Uh, uh, I'm blanking on that. You know that? That's insane. It wasn't- is it? Is it Steve's episode? Is it the first one? No, 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 never mind. No, it's not. No, it's not. Never mind. I thought it was the the one with at the house. Um, the Mrs. Whatever. No, I don't think it's that one. No, I
3: know. I think I know what you no. mean, and I can understand the confusion, but.
2: Oh, it's the one where it's where Nelly's laying on the lounge and looking up at the bent neck lady, isn't it?
1: Oh, wait. Yeah. Oh,
2: yeah.
3: Yeah. There it is. Right. See? It's so obvious, but it just flies over your head every once in a while. Yeah, that's it.
1: Yeah. Gotcha. It's so funny. And I like it so much. They do that a lot.
3: (laughs) But uh, yeah, I know. I just quickly wanted to shout out uh, the DOP because he's really good. Did he
1: work in Black Manor too?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he okay. apparently is also going to be directing a couple of episodes in The Fall of the House of Usher. <gasps> so I'm really oh hyped oh. to see that.
1: I'm excited. That is very interesting. Yeah. I don't even know what the one in Blood Manor is, but we have a whole like week or two to get that out the <laughs> way. <so. laughs> yes. uh. I'll watch through it. I
3: still need to watch those, docu- those, uh, those directors' commentaries. So, uh, I'll, I'll they probably, got that yeah, from Blood Manor, too. It. You
0: have homework. <laughs> yeah.
3: I have my homework, and boy, is this the best homework I'll ever get!
0: I see
1: you. Oh my god! <laughs> I forgot what I had to watch for my first day of film school, but it was a pretty—it was pretty baller, whatever it was. I don't remember now. That was like <laughs> three years ago. But, <laughs> um, yeah, no. I know. So, do we have anything else to say about episode six, or are we just gonna? We, it's, we, yeah,
3: it's just—it's uh something that I want to mention is. Uh, you have the scene where uh Nell's dead body all of a sudden has those buttons mm-hmm. on her eyes, which obviously it's a reference to the fact that, you know, she used to oh, collect okay. buttons. It's terrifying. Did it have
1: seven, did they have seven um, no, no it didn't. Never mind. No,
3: they okay. just had two buttons on her eyes. It is it it creeps me out to see that. It's it's probably it Coraline trauma.
2: Legitimately unsettling.
3: It's probably Coraline trauma. You know, because <laughs> yeah. I was very young when I saw that. Uh that it is, it is bone chillingly terrifying.
1: Matt, I think I found something the other day when watching that, but I'm going to see if it's true or not so you guys can continue with.
3: Right. Something. No, that's that's, <laughs> that's just very scary. I don't know how I, I you guys experienced that. Experience
2: that. Uh, yes. <laughs> I do think <laughs> that it's technically, uh, of course, an incredible episode, but I think that the thing we haven't touched on at all is any of the stories that happens in this episode, because True. it's it. very important.
1: I love <laughs> like, it. I think we talked about it a little bit earlier. When yeah, we a little bit, Steve when and... we, we talked about yeah.
3: Steve saying the wrong yeah. parent died, which that's yeah, just that's yeah, just yeah, one of those lines, and I you know, I don't want to get too far ahead, but, you know, <laughs> also <laughs> Father, father uh, uh, Hamish Linklater screaming in, in, in Midnight Mass, you know, one of those lines, uh, that he yeah. screams, how does it make you feel? And it's the same with Steve screaming the wrong parent died. It just gives me goosebumps, and it's
0: mm-hmm.
3: so good. It's so good. But I that whole... That the, yeah.
2: the callback in this episode, as they focus on Nellie going missing in the first storm, and in the second one uh. she she has the same that same feeling of standing in the room and it, she's trying to speak and no one can hear her, and it's absolutely heart wrenching.
3: Those voiceovers at the end I know, the are fun, so like, heartbreaking, and especially <laughs> when, especially when Luke says, uh, "I'll never let anything bad happen to you ever again," and then that's voiceovered over mm. adult Luke looking at his dead twin, and it's so gut wrenching. I I die a little inside every time I see that.
1: You know, yeah. this is so random to me, and I'm sorry for bringing this up right now, but I don't know what it is. It's just hard for me to imagine that with all the other kids, it makes sense, but I just somehow forget every time that little Luke grew up into big Luke, <laughs> it blows my <laughs> mind somehow. I, I don't know what it, it is. understand like, it.
2: Everyone acknowledges that the casting on that one is not as physically perfect, but that it was just worth it because both of the actors are so good, and I yeah. I think that's true because they did such a good job yeah. physically, especially now.
1: Yeah, oh I think Shirley goodness, too. are we talking about the,
3: the little kids or
2: yeah, the kids yeah. to adults? Oh, to compared
3: the, the, to the adults, yeah. As yeah. they grow
2: up, so it's and immediately easy. You can look at all that, of them and pair them.
3: That's something to that put a lot of thought in because Lulu Wilson, who plays young Shirley, she is a natural is blonde. Like... Yeah, oh so God. they didn't just like, oh, they kind of have the same hair, we'll pick that. No, they gave a wig to her. They looked at face uh, similarities. Yeah, and they
2: did they did so good. And I think this, yeah. that might contribute a little as to why it's harder to look at little Luke and then yeah. adult yeah. Luke, because they are not nearly <laughs> so similar. I was because they're the,
3: I think I feel like that's also a little bit on purpose, because they are the least the same person. Like Steve has always been that skeptical, you know, even as a little kid. Yeah, he you have the a point same point kind of that's skepticism. That's you know, you have a you have a scene in episode one, I think, where he says directly to look, which like I'm like, that's that's terrible sibling acting, but he directly says to Luke, <laughs> like Damn it. Yeah, I had I had little uh, I had imaginary friends when I was little. They go away when you get older. I'm like, that's not what you say to a little kid who has an imaginary <laughs> friend at that point. Yeah, You're really. Like, oh yeah, they're so cool, they're standing right there, ha <laughs> <Hi."> you know. <laughs> You play along with that. Yeah. And I, I, think, I think I think, of all the characters, Luke is just the least like his kid self. And he yeah, is the one sure. that lost the most of his innocence due to his drug abuse.
1: I think that's what I meant more so when I say this. Just, it, it is the appearance but it's also just they're so different.
3: It's, it is the appearance. Yeah, but that done. Like, is done on purpose because, so. because the characters are so different. And it's 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 therefore, I think it's very similar to that they uh, recasted you, uh, the older version of you, because that rarely ever happens. We have two two adult characters and they're, you know, later in life, but they're played by different actors. You don't see that a lot. I think it was necessary, Which,
2: side note, honestly. I think is really funny, um, just because in Midnight Mass, they age him Gave up him makeup. Kind exactly. Of <laughs> makeup.
3: That, that old... <laughs> so that, funny. that just... That just... Uh, Proves my point even more, uh, with that is that that is done on purpose because he is an entirely different person, he is not the same anymore, and that also gives more weight at the end when he changes back to young you, <clears throat> he changes back to that more happy self and that more innocent self that loves his kids and has contact with his kids. It's a line, it's it's a uh, yeah, well, that for sure as well, but I feel like there's also much more weight behind, uh the fact that he changes back to young you. And I think that, get lost, that gets lost often because people don't uh, always realize that there's a thematic reason why it's a different actor.
1: Right. Nice. For sure.
3: <clears throat> and that's not even oh, beginning okay. on how amazing Timothy Hutton does <laughs> the older you, but it's another story entirely.
1: Probably my uh, favorite I, performance yeah, in this show. A... Wow,
2: I have such an unpopular opinion on that.
3: Oh boy, bring it on. You- popular oh
2: man.
1: oh, I'm oh My unpopular
2: opinion is that absolutely no offense to this man, and it's not that he does a bad job, but I think that older Hugh is the biggest detractor in the entire show because his performance cannot stand up to everyone else, and every time they give him a monologue, wow. it makes me feel like I wonder where you're going. He seems like wow. he's wandering in every I single think, one but, to me.
3: But that's that's I think he's purpose, supposed to be that that that's, yeah, yeah, that's that's his character. <laughs> if it's he on doesn't purpose, know he's I don't like he's, it.
0: He's...
3: <laughs> yeah, okay. That's <laughs> no, that's, that's fair. fair. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair.
2: If it's on it's just because they're already I mean, it, it's obviously it's Mike Flanagan. It's already a little monologue heavy and and people speak <laughs> for a very long time. Yeah. Which I don't mind because I like to watch people act, but I just feel like there's a lot of dead air when they're focusing on on Timothy Hutton, and again, it's not that it's bad; it's that it is the least to me.
3: The monologues Mm -hmm. are not great. His his best (laughs) acting definitely stems from his more, uh, you know, his more awkward acting. You know, when he constantly stumbles over his own words. I think maybe that is where his strength lies. So awkward, it
2: makes me feel uncomfortable.
3: But those those monologues, do not
1: remember a monologue from him? (laughs) <laughs> mostly
3: in episode 8 when he just drops a truth bomb on Steve and also oh, in like episode that? 10 he also kind of that. drops a, <laughs> drops a, yeah it's a great monologue I don't
1: like that
3: and uh I think some also, of it's good No I think I think I, that's a, that was the first time I got chills monologue.
1: in this show when that monologue was the first time really? I got chills in this entire show yeah wow. when he dropped wow. the, the, the the bomb about I know but <laughs> it's the first time that I felt like it kind of was fear. I don't know when he said the treehouse didn't exist, and then he went into the whole thing about Stephen seeing the ghost. It's it's very like I do it's like not important, that. But, yeah, I
2: hate I hate. uh Okay, I I said hate. That's a really strong word, but <laughs> perhaps one of the most upsetting parts of the story to me as a whole is using the mustachioed man as proof that Stephen saw a ghost because steven wrote an entire book about ghosts he didn't see
1: yeah i I didn't like that
2: and a mustachioed man somehow feel like proof to him
1: yeah i i I mean i guess it's a good way to prove it because he didn't know it was a ghost right i mean i I think it makes sense because you
3: needs to drop that truth bomb on him and realistically steve is not gonna listen to anything he has to say because it's the same shit he's heard over and over again unless you have some kind of revelation. So I understand they wrote it in.
2: Steven needed but to something that had to do with himself. It's, like it's yeah. it's it's bullshit. yeah.
3: It needs it's to be there, opposite, but <laughs> it really could have been done better.
1: I, I, I think I acknowledge that it's not important really because we already knew Steve's seen a ghost in the first episode or whatnot. But Steve yeah. I don't know I I feel it's, the, by the way really can we just I bug- really like it.
3: Can we just talk about what a great naming that is for that episode? I love it. Hilarious. Because you're just waiting, because <laughs> so like within the first fifty minutes, he says that he's never seen a ghost. So you're like, okay, it's not going to be in one of the flashbacks. Bring it on. Where's your ghost? And you're constantly <laughs> waiting for ghost. that. And it adds, yeah, it, it adds more more tension to the it's scene. A sort uh, of
1: ghost, too. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. She
2: is no, in your he, face. It,
3: yeah. <laughs> No, but it adds uh, more tension to the scenes where you're expecting there to be a ghost, mostly with, obviously, the scenes where he's sleeping in Mrs. Walker's bed, you know, and he feels the drippage. You're expecting <clears throat> to see a ghost, because the, the episode is called that. Genius, genius-making. Yeah.
2: Yeah. it's great. But yeah, that, that that is my unpopular opinion, and it's not... I don't know, I have... Uh, I, I just feel like in a show that is so incredibly well-written and everything feels so deep and important, that random throwaway handlebar mustache ghost feels a little silly. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: But that's kind of the thing too, isn't it? Like, I feel like had this been like a decent or a good show, that would have been like, you know, you might have, you know, thought about it, You but you're not going to give it much thought because it's like, it's whatever. But because this is so great, something that's, you know, meh, uh, feels so out of place immediately.
2: Well, exactly. And it's so small. Like, it's not yeah. enough. I will say, the one thing, though, is, because I think overall it's quite small, but uh, every time I'm looking at the episode list, because that episode is called Witness Marks, it's an immediate yeah. callback to what it's I think is such one of the a...
0: worst pieces of the show. It
3: feels like a smart, uh, like a small part, but the episode's literally What's... named after it. Yeah,
0: it's so clever.
3: It's, it's, it's good thematic reasoning, too, but uh, yeah, no, it's 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 not very good.
0: Yeah, it does not pack the punch that it should. But
1: no,
3: it's...
0: I but I
1: understand. I, that I it's love there. that. Yeah. I had chills during that part. I don't know. Really? I'm so. <laughs> but I'm also I... like the all one out anyway because Hill House is like my third favorite. That's fair. yeah, of my fr- yeah. <laughs> that's,
0: that's a good thing to remember. But I, had, I had like
1: a, I had like a combination
3: <laughs> of those feelings and the feeling I have with something else in the show, which is something that was just briefly mentioned is the tree house. Because when they said, like, I never built your kids a treehouse, you know, and then you, you know, after that, you realize, you know, oh, what the red room is and that that's also part of the red room. That is a terrifying reveal and it's very scary. But after that, when you think about it a little, it's too much. If, I it, if, that, if that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> I, I you can disagree. See that.
2: I disagree. I don't think that it's too much because I think I think the treehouse
3: is too much. I don't think the red room is too much. I think the red room is super interesting, which by the way, apparently that was
1: like the physicality of it doesn't make sense i think that's what he's exactly i think
3: that's the main issue and i can kind of understand like the house confusing you and it's constantly moving and it's making you but first you need to be physically outside outside and like climbing a tree i've literally (laughs) never been inside walk through a door and then being like oh wow i'm in a tree house now
2: (laughs) That that part that part I do kind of get because I have also had the same thought. I've been like all of the others. You're just walking into a yeah, room. So yeah, exactly. I do get that. The and I house- think
3: it's I think it's a creepy reveal, and it got me that first time. But then you think about it, and then you rewatch, you come across it again. And I find it really weird. Something I think the reason I,
2: they made it a treehouse is so that in that monologue, when he's like, I didn't do this, it's so he can so specifically point to something that... Yeah. Because he could say, I mean, oh, well, we didn't yeah. have a toy room. And it would have been like, yeah. well, what what does that even <laughs> mean, Dad? Did you go
3: through all have the have rooms? Room? I'm sorry. <laughs> well, sure. There were right a 500. There.
1: Like... That's a really good point, Jenny. I think that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, for That's sure. The There's a, <laughs> it,
3: it's, it's like that... Uh, uh, it's almost like... Uh, Roseanne's feelings about episode two, where it need it's there because it needs to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Something but I also I think want to that mention, the only uh... reason. Yeah. No. You go Jenny. I
2: think that the only reason we can, you know, tear it apart so so heavily with so many of these very small things is just because we love it so much. Like it's incredible. Yeah. If you were to watch yeah. this one time, yeah. you would never think about what a no. treehouse. Nope. You don't care about the handlebarred mustachioed man. Like the way you It would just be
3: the terrifying reveals and then you're fine, but because we exactly. watched it 50 times, yeah. Something that I uh, I wanted to mention about the Red Room is uh, when looking uh, for a writer's room, Flanagan, because it was the first time he used a writer's room with Hill House, and he wanted to add this person who was on Reddit writing creepypastas. And the entirety of the rest of the writing room, you know, who've probably done studies to be there and stuff like that, they were all like a little skeptical for it. But at the end of the at the end of the day, he's the showrunner, and he gets the final say. So that person was added there, just straight from Reddit. No, no study or anything. Just writes creepy pastas on on Reddit. I'm not sure what the username is. He didn't mention uh, in that particular interview. Yeah. And that person is the one that came up with the concept of the Red Room. Wow. And, just, i mean just...
2: that really just goes to show that talent doesn't require education exactly. yeah, yeah. it's honestly it's
1: insane to me like <laughs> as a writer myself and somebody who's paying like so much money for college and film school and stuff i want <laughs> to say that must like, hurt
3: a little <laughs>
1: <laughs> writers are some of the most pretentious people ever yeah. <laughs> like i'm not oh, even that's so true. like yeah. no like legit like it's take what they say with a grain of salt when they're like judging you. Like, honestly, it, yeah. I've seen it myself. I, I haven't, di- I haven't done that myself or acted that way myself, but I have friends that are also other writers and screenwriters and things like that. And they are some of the most like judgmental people of all time. <laughs> so honestly, that whole story makes sense. Trying to like disregard him because he didn't study or whatever the hell you want to call it. it is that's, so like based in reality, for
3: me. Yeah, but it's amazing <laughs> because the red room is a great part of this show. I absolutely lo- I love this shot so much. It's it's a callback, also you know, where Theo in the dancing room, but also Shirley and Nell in the first episode trying to get uh, the red room the door open. That is one of the best reveals I have ever seen. Ever. It's insane. What was it's that? So good. Was
1: that- the finale episode, did they reveal it, that? It's in or the finale it?
3: episode. The, okay. That's the opening of the finale, which I find also gotcha. a great gotcha. idea. You know, at that point oh, you're it's so already. Good. Yeah, at that point you've already hinted. They've already hinted at, you know, what the red room might be, with you know, I never built you kids a three hours. You can try to see the the witness marks if I want to be a well. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you can already see the see the parts. But uh, and then they open with that scene you know cut together those two scenes got together in episode 10 it's great great reveal so good
1: ah oh, man well i guess moving on to what i consider my least favorite episode but not because it's bad by any means i just it just came out through what i considered the best episode so i was kind of detached from it but episode seven um a little fun fact that you guys didn't know because I it, I like just solidified this last week after we got through. But Keith Arthur Bowden, that played the the sheriff in episode seven, is going to join the podcast next year at the beginning of the year. So that's something. Really? No that's he's so cool. I love him. Yes. He
3: is he was so Cobra cool. Cobra
1: Kai too, one of my favorite shows ever. So oh, I cannot wait nice. for this. Wow. <laughs>
3: that's incredible. No, he's so he's so fun. In, in hill house he's just so nice because you expect him to be evil obviously because you know he's he's the big cop man and it mm. seems like you is gonna be you know the bad guy you know it seems like he's gonna be the one that's gonna be screwed over in this case uh, yeah unfairly and he's just so nice you know even the the uh the scenes where you know they had to call the cops because of william hill's body that they found you know and he just goes you know uh he, he asks you if the place is actually haunted, and you says, "Some of my kids certainly seem to think <laughs> so." And he just laughs. Yeah, it's it's real nice. He seems like a really nice dude. It's oh,
2: also man. a really. I just want to point out. I really love the shot as he's closing the doors to Hill House. Like yep. that is such a good shot. Yep. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so an underrated shot too. Because I forgot. So so that.
3: Michael Fumiari <laughs> as well.
1: Very cool. Oh man. Nice um, episode.
2: Okay, but I I would like to get into why eulogy is to you the weakest because I, I've noticed that we've talked a lot about a lot of scenes that happen in eulogy as being really incredible scenes. Half because
3: it? I'm trying to think,
2: this is William where they eulogy find eulogy, right? William Hill. Yeah. yeah. Oh
3: yeah.
2: This is where we find William Hill. This is you know that that scene in and of itself is is huge, and um this is where we get Mr. Dudley telling the story about oh
1: my God. Hmm. his, I think that's my <laughs> most memorable part of it. I think Robert the long
3: street, man, they oh. was you
1: reveal. And that Robert Longstreet monologue is the only kind of the only things that I really take. Well, episode. honestly,
2: here's the thing is I think, I think that it could be the weakest episode easily, if you focused only on what's happening in the present. However, I feel like it's one of the stronger episodes for everything happening in the past.
3: It's the That's Younger what? You episode. We talked about yes. that, which is the dad episode. I think episode 7 is the Younger You episode. Episode 8 is the Older You episode.
1: Yeah. And I think I'm um, thinking Hugh of is... it from, a, from the, yeah. older, the older current timeline is where I'm pretty much looking at it from. Yeah, And it's no, I easily that. like... Yeah, I don't... And
3: I mean, that that makes sense because it's literally named after those events. Which also, you know... Well,
2: see, and again, yeah. I think that this is another show of, um, for me personally older Hugh and Timothy Hutton not being my favorite because this show or this part of the episode is where they focus on him and him like seeing live and doing like the little conversation thing and it's yeah. just so awkward to me and it's so weird and also it's like stop proving Steve's point you look crazy
3: <laughs> um, <laughs> that's that's re- that's really funny to me I don't know why <laughs> so no, since and- he is
2: one of my opinion like kind of one of the weaker like absolutely i agree when it comes to the the current things but the things that are happening in hill house that's when liv well, gives him the crazy blueprints like yeah, that's when the walls really start good. to mold. everything in that is but, so important and i love it
3: but before we we shit too much on the current events of the eulogy episode just a quick shout out luke's uh, eulogy uh in uh, that yeah. one the, she was always my the, big sister uh, yeah she was always my big sister oh,
2: she was born yeah I was born six my seconds my heart then.
3: and i like i know that's not actually live i know that's like a figment of of uh, uh use imagination and not actually her ghost but her saying add eh, a girl it's
1: so oh. it's so painful it's it so is. Painful.
2: it is it's hard it's stupid. and I, I also think find he's
1: really Shirley's... logical when he's when he's thinking of, I guess when it's live like his representation of live in his head. I feel yeah. like it's really logical most of the yeah. time.
3: Yes, that he knows that down very well. But and I also think Shirley's eulogy in that one is very interesting <clears throat> for her character. Like on itself, it's not very interesting, yeah. but it's very interesting for her character because it's this. She can't go up there. And tell some beautiful story or tell something from the heart. She needs to have control over it. Um, uh, you know, it needs to so be something that she could and- have... Yeah, so she reads a poem that she can read and read over again. it's like, okay, this is perfect. I'll take this. I have control over this.
2: It's also a very odd choice to me. And I think this every time I watch it, that the <coughs> poem she chose to read is, you know, she, she is just away which yeah. is so very opposite to how Shirley typically seems to believe and see things like, because she is, you know, a mortician. She deals in this and she's constantly yeah. trying to be so hard to be realistic. She's like, no, they're gone. Yeah. Like they are gone and it's time to get over it. And then she gets up there and about her sister reads a poem about how she's not, she's not gone. She's just, I away. think,
3: I think that's, that's also uh, some little part of the real Shirley shining through. I've talked about this in a little a, a little bit ago as well, when we were really specifically going into Shirley, where I think that she constantly puts on this charade of, you know, because she doesn't, she doesn't call everyone crazy, but the charade that she puts up, she doesn't believe all those ghost stories either. She wants to, quote-unquote, live a normal life and don't believe those kind of stuff. And I feel like this is a little bit of... The real Shirley uh, coming out because she is so emotional because of what happened, you know, because of her sister dying. Yeah, that's what it feels like to me.
2: I, I think so too, and I, I think that it, I think that it is very informative
1: of her character.
3: Yeah, one hundred percent.
1: Yeah, is it is this the first episode where we get to see Janet? Or was that? in... did we see her? In- I think so.
3: Um, she, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I don't think she's in oh, episode no, no. Six. She
2: shows up. No, she is in episode six because she shows is up she? right as Hugh is showing up.
3: Yeah, because no. they show
2: up at the same time, don't they? No,
3: because she's She's not at all uh, in in episode six.
2: No, she's not. No, okay, no. Cause they show up? I think it's just a very similar shot. Because they show up in, in like, the atrium there, and it's still... You already had it as soon as Hugh shows up in 6, it's awkward. And then as soon as he shows up here, it's also awkward.
3: Yeah, exactly. I don't think she's in episode 6.
2: Yeah, I feel like Janet's such a... Almost like a missing link in this story. Because she obviously plays such an important part, but...
3: I think that's on purpose, because... Uh, it's this is just a tale of a broken family finding each other again. And from what I get from the reactions of the kids to her, uh, she is not a broken part of that family. She has always loved them and was she's always there fine. for them. Yeah. yeah, she's there. So it's not, it's not interesting. You know, you're watching this show to see all these people who've been completely torn apart uh, be put back together. And then if there's one in there that is completely you know, already there together. uh, I think that kind of takes away from the weight of it. I might be wrong about that, but it feels like uh, it might've been on purpose to keep it more thematic.
2: I think it probably is on purpose. I I just think it's kind of, it's one of those things where it it works absolutely perfectly in the show, but when you stop and think about it for a second, it's just interesting to think about exactly how this played out in their lives as they all went to live with her and now they are the adults they are but they're so scarred from their childhood this weird intermittent period is it would be fascinating
3: it's exactly it's 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 what you're saying it's it's supposed to be that way to keep the story more captivating but when you think about it i it feels like she should be a bigger part of it you know it feels like she should Mm -hmm. be a bigger part of episode six you know she should be there with the with the previewing, but that would because why you know, kind of be? ruin all? Yeah, exactly. But that would <laughs> kind of ruin all those stories and all those heartfelt moments happening there. I don't think Steve would have screamed that at his father, how, however drunk Absolutely he is, not. if uh, Aunt Janet was there.
1: Honestly, I feel like Janet would have probably agreed with what Steve was saying. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, his There's some tension between those two that they don't at all dive into. And it's it's not just coming from you, because it's coming from you because <laughs> he's like, you know, oh, he's not their parent. And that, like, I I feel that because I also, you know, I've, I have divorced parents and I also have a stepmom. And so I can kind of see a little bit of that envy in that. But, um... Uh, it's also from Anne Janet's side, one hundred percent. There's some tension there.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It yeah. It definitely was when they first, the first time we saw them in the same room. Yeah. I don't think they acknowledged each other originally. I think they just kind of bypassed each other. No, no, they do,
3: they do. But it's specifically the way that they acknowledge each other. They're just like, you know, you and Janet. Uh, well, she did, no, she, I mean when she she's first one, Janet, Janet, uh, Janet he says Janet just. And there's no, no, something I mean the I mean, line like when delivery that. She...
1: When she first, first walked in, she stared directly at him for like a second and they didn't say anything. And then she uh, just yeah. went to hug whoever it was. I mean, what Luke, could you I say? I think, ran through her. Yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> yeah. What could you say? I, don't, I have no clue. That family's complicated. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but no, Jenny, I, I went back to look through the episode and I do agree with what you're saying. I think for me, it's still probably my least favorite like it was always a toss-up between this and the one that uh, Roseanne brought up but I still think it's my least favorite but I see what you mean it's mostly the current events that kind of take me out of it because all the past stuff I, looks I, great when I'm just flipping through here
2: yeah it's good stuff and I really I really like Hugh's story in the house and I, I think that I don't know, but I I do think it's not the only episode where I could do that. I could separate it out and go, "Mm, the stuff that's happening way back when is, you know, better or more interesting. And uh, I don't think that that is a flaw in and of itself, but I absolutely see how that could make it the weakest because it's not, it's not split in a way that you're spending more time in the past. You're spending plenty of time in the present where it's not as strong.
3: Yeah. Besides that one monologue from uh, from Luke,
1: and Mister yeah. uh, Mister Delhi's monologue, is my, yeah, that one, one my
3: that favorite one's favorite in the past. Movies.
1: So, yeah, no, I just mean I was just talking okay. in general. I didn't mean to like oh, okay. split it up. <laughs> no, I get it. Oh, the yeah. whole
2: thing, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. No, that's the whole thing. I think it's a very good episode. Definitely one of the more weaker ones, but you know, it's 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 then at that point it's the the worst of the absolute best.
2: Yeah, but it does have, uh, I think, the, the best background ghost, because that is where you've got the white-haired oh lady my God,
1: watching. That's so along. That was <laughs> so scary. Yeah. Especially because when she's she... in the
2: background of the doorway. Oh, well, I hate that. She
3: gets she gets closer every time, and she gets oh. real close.
1: Real close.
3: Real close.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, just, it's, it, a, it's scary. Oh, my God. I'm There's looking the, at yeah. it now, and it's still scary. Like it's, it's. Uh, that, I can imagine looking down like the hallway in my house and seeing that shit, and I'm just like, never coming back in this house again. Nope. No,
3: never. Oh, f- <laughs> man, that house—it's not existing anymore. It's burned.
2: No, I'm out. Are you kidding? I was never here. I'm,
3: I'm not just out. That house is gone. It's it's burned. I'm like, leaving
1: the country. All right.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. If I see that in my house, they can have it. Yeah. It's obviously, their house, but you got it. Oh, they want it more than coming.
2: I
4: do.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, anything else about episode seven before we move on to the last three? I guess. I guess we talked a lot about episode eight. Like we already talked like, a lot like, about
3: episode eight. I think we can uh, we can just skip yeah. to Yeah, let's to yeah. go nine. past that.
1: Yeah. Uh right, I don't think we talked much about episode nine, Not at all. And but, I mean, it's one of guess, my favorite
3: okay, episodes.
0: Real quick.
2: It is, but real quick, episode um, eight, before we completely skip over it, because we didn't have Roseanne last time, we have to, to bring up the jump scare.
3: Oh my god, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Roseanne, what did you throw in the air? Okay. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 th- I, threw, I threw mini pizzas.
0: Oh my god. I threw my, I threw my, pa- my laptop. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be completely honest with you. Okay, I was, um, when I watched it with a friend, we watched the first six episodes in one night like back to back to back and then they were like okay episode 7 is like I think they said either episode 7 or episode 10 scariest jump scare like like I've never seen my dad flinch but he flinched he screamed like he was shook I was like okay got it so I prepared myself for episode 7 and episode 10 between that time frame, oh no someone told me <laughs> that the jump scare was in episode 8 uh, oh no. So they uh that
3: sucks. They build it up so well. That
0: sucks. It totally sucks. I was like this would have 100% gotten me. And every now and again like when I re like during my rewatches it still does. But unfortunately I never got to experience that like I just dropped all of my popcorn like that was the jump scare, but I appreciate
1: Damn. uh that's
0: <laughs> just best, best, best Oh jump that's such a shame.
1: Ever. I hate that you missed that. That sucks. <laughs>
0: It was yeah, still definitely a surprise, but like I knew it was coming. But then again, to be fair, I'm also a, like fun fact: I'm also a scare actress. So in like quite oh. like, I I was also like this would be a, the perfect time, and then it happened, and I was like, okay, I, like I get it.
3: Fun fact about that jump scare though is uh, the direction of the of uh, of Shirley and and Theo is very genuine. Not because the jump scare wasn't planned, because. You can't do that. Obviously, she needs to be in the back of the car there. But they uh, cued it earlier than uh, it was in the script, so the reaction was very genuine.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's great, uh, Roseanne, You say you're a scare actress. I am indeed. I- I've always been. That's so cool. I one of my favorite things to do every Halloween is I go to my um. Well, it's not local, but. <clears throat> kind of local i go to my local haunted house attraction and it's always a good time so that's that's so cool that you do that something similar to <laughs> thank
0: that, you It's <laughs> a good time
1: <laughs> i
0: love um, a good haunted maze
1: <laughs> i've never been to a maze before that sounds dope
0: i it's so fun i've worked in a maze setting and i've worked as like um a performer on the street and i will 100 percent say that personally i think that it's a lot more fun to be able to have a little bit more, uh, it, like improv and like 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 really have like like you set the scene. When you're working in a maze, as much as they're really well done, and the set design is usually like, well, if if you're lucky, it's it's really good and it's really well done. Like I've been to a couple, um, in, in my area, like I'm from Ontario and Canada, so like there are a couple, and they're really quite good, um but working outside is just beyond like a completely different experience because you really get like, it's not just all jump scares. It's really like you get to interact with characters and like learn their stories and stuff. And it's almost like, it, like last year, um, this is like, I guess another real, like small fun fact. Someone, uh, I can do like a weird thing with my body where I can like twitch. Like I'm like double jointed everywhere. So I can just kind of go around and like bend my neck mm-hmm. in weird places. And on Halloween,
2: Oh,
0: that's unsettling. We yeah. were like, "Oh my god, is she glitching?" Like she's like the Matrix. I'm like, "Thank you, thank you, much. <laughs> Someone called me.
3: I like the idea of a horror Matrix.
0: <laughs> that would be terrifying. <laughs> um, not to go too uh, like like sign track, but I guess like someone called me the bent neck lady, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> like,
3: thank Those, you. I- <laughs> I always like really like going to those kind of things and the because I am never scared of them. Mm. And so I always go out of my way to like not not physically but mentally push the actors yeah. that are at those like kind of mazes. And their reactions are always fifty-fifty. It's always reactions, always afterwards because they're always extremely professional, which I could never but their reactions are always so fifty-fifty. Uh most of them uh are like oh huh, that was really funny you know they recognize me because i got really close into their face
4: right they're gonna
3: remember me that night <laughs> and uh and they they come back afterwards because it's always at these events and then afterwards they come out and, and stuff like that and uh you know they always uh, come look for me uh you're like oh yeah that was fun and i've also had a couple of times where they were like you know dude couldn't you just like play along like come on oh no you're yeah. for everyone else and uh i just oh, remember this worst. I, I, I just remember this one time they had this scary event at my at my cinema uh, for a horror night and uh, there was this nun walking around and I was I was up front because everyone was terrified. I was just like, I'm going to the movies, you know? And uh, all these actors were walking around and that nun got really close into my face and I swear to God, for a second I thought we were going to kiss. Oh <laughs> and so I stepped, I stepped one back and I booped him on the nose and it was... It was the best time ever <laughs> afterwards i laughed uh, i laughed a lot with him it was so much fun but i always like going to those uh, kind of things
1: <laughs> that's awesome Roseanne. i have to say i don't have social anxiety or anything but i don't think i could ever do what you do so i want to give you a good no good, uh, applause right here. <laughs> yeah oh neither. my gosh
2: absolutely i, I do never. have social anxiety not a chance <laughs>
0: <laughs> i don't know if you yeah, no, notice but i'm oh, yeah. very shy
3: <laughs> yeah but then it's perfect because you know you're in you're in makeup usually or with a mask i'm not sure yeah makeup uh, yet. yeah yeah uh, so it's kind of like you can just scare people yeah, it doesn't it matter that you're something. shy just just jump out on them <laughs> jump on their back
1: I think I have PTSD from like martial arts because I did talk for so long, but I'm so scared of getting like punched or kicked in the face. So I would not be able
3: to do that. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> you just oh my God. jump
1: out. Uh. <laughs> 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 Jesus. Oh well. Okay. Um All right. Episode, episode nine. Episode nine. Jenny, this is this is your discussion, Jenny. We know you love you love you some live, so let you that is this
2: absolutely true. <laughs> I love Liv as a character and I love this episode, but I, I think leading up to this one, because we spent so long leading up to it and we have so many questions, the tension was built so well. Yeah. And I, Oh man, I, I feel for Olivia so much. I can't, I can't personally imagine that the, the scenarios that she's been in but I I feel like they do such a good job building why she becomes afraid and Mm -hmm. what the house does to her but uh like I mentioned last time I also think that something really important that they did is Liv is not like some infallible angel of a person and they talk about it all the time like she she never was and she never has been and she I think she was susceptible because she's already just a little off and they make her kind of sinister occasionally. And in the end, she ends up being very sinister. And Mm -hmm. as much as we feel for her, she, she's not perfect. Like the house, the house did ruin her, but she was ripe to be ruined.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And I like that, that you immediately get that feeling of something is off. Like in the first scene in episode nine, Where all that's happening is you took one of the kids so she doesn't have to take two kids on her own, which would be impossible. That's all that happens. And it's once again, it's amazing editing, uh, of which Flanagan most likely has a lot to do. Um, Where it's just, you know, you just see, you get a close-up of her and you see, I believe it's Nell that she is still holding, or Luke. No, I think it's Nell. And the other one is out of frame. And then you zoom out and you just get that, you know, that very stereotypical done like from a horror movie and you see that <laughs> other hand is empty you know you're like what wh- where did that other kid go and you just see you walking away with it it's so unsettling while it's just a normal situation and that's very well edited and done on purpose exactly for the reason that you just said jenny
2: yeah I-, I just i think it's so interesting Because, I mean, you really often see that in scenarios like this, they would have painted her as perfect previously. They they would have shown her as this, you know, idyllic mother to her very many children. and But they don't. And they talk about things that she was just, she was a real person who had real problems. And then she ended up in a situation that had every opportunity to completely wreck her. And it did. And she was basically helpless as soon as she stepped into the house, and it's so tragic.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Something uh, <clears throat> that I find horrifying in that episode, there's two things that have always stood out to me in that episode that really make it stand out for me as one of the best episodes in that show, is uh, first you have the morgue scene where she walks into the morgue and on the table is oh. dead Nell, and she gets up and she tries to speak, but her jaw is wired shut. It makes me cringe oh so God, hard. So oh, Just to that like cut one. It loose, that makes me cringe so hard. And then, you know, <laughs> that on top of what it is that she is seeing, which you have that realization and you know you can see on her, which is amazing physical acting by Carla Gugino. You know that she also knows what's going on. And then they also add that layer of cringe to it. Absolutely horrifying scene. Other standalone scene for me is the uh, yeah it's someone wanted to say something about that
2: oh I'm just I absolutely agree that specifically yeah. the wire cutting and ripping that oh. out oh. like there's not there aren't a ton of scenes in the show as a whole that are like really viscerally upsetting but
4: mm-hmm.
2: oh the few of them that there are I mean that surely holding the poor cat um yeah, yeah. It, it's just Uh, it does it makes you feel
3: physically
2: uncomfortable
3: the like metallic clicking sounds you hear when she's trying to speak Mm -hmm. at first because (laughs) especially the first time going in you don't exactly know what's going on and then that makes the realization even harder when you realize oh that clicking is her trying to open her wired shut jaws
0: yeah got it insane insanely
3: painful and uh, the other standalone scene, uh, standout scene uh, in this episode for me is the one where uh, little Luke and little Nell talk about uh, their dreams. Oh, yeah. That was so fun. And that one is not uh, in any way connected to Liv and her arc uh, or her actor. It is completely those two little kids who are around the age of seven, eight, nine at most, I believe, the actors. And they are giving mm-hmm. this lengthy monologue about depression and suicide and drug abuse, yeah. and it is, yeah. and they nail it so good. It's such a heavy monologue, and it's such a lengthy monologue, and they're so young. And I also think it's very well written because it's, you know, you know what's going on, but it's also very innocently done, like a kid would. You know mm-hmm. that that would yeah. be a kid's understanding of it. You know, my heart would break. You, a kid, wouldn't say depressed. A kid would say my heart would break right in half. You know, a kid wouldn't yeah. say I, I, I use heroin frequently. They would say I put poison in my body and my blood turns into poison. And it's so heartbreaking. It's so well done. And it's so terrifying as well. Great scene. One of my favorite scenes in the show.
1: Jenny, I have to ask. I want to ask all of you guys individually, but it doesn't have anything to do with the episode necessarily. But we hear the analogy that Hugh and um, Liv are like the kite and the line. So which one would you be in a relationship, Jenny? Would you be the kite? Or oh, would you I'm be the line.
2: line. <laughs> I am the line. I <laughs> am a steady, boring Virgo. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Matt, what about you? It's a hard
3: one for me. I think if I would had to pick the line, but I am also very much a social chameleon. Uh, which means I can basically transform into any kind of social acceptable thing. That the biggest problem about that is that I usually change into whatever uh, whoever I'm around. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily change into whatever that person needs. So you so you'll, you get two lines or two guys. If I'd have to pick, I'd say the line, but I you fear guys, that man. might happen. In well, that situation. I would say more like, realistic. Oh, you're a guy. I want to be a guy. Oh, I'll be a guy. I'll be a guy. <laughs>
1: Uh, Roseanne, what about you?
0: I think I'd have to go with the kite. Um. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how to elaborate on that, but I I just can't see myself as as being the line. I I, I often fly high and fly fly free and sort of venture out into into things without really like thinking i guess it's just kind of like take any any opportunity that comes my way but uh it's always a little bit more difficult to ground myself and it. it's like I, I find that in in other people like i think other people are my lines
1: got you got you how about you cool cool
3: no 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 yeah. that you oh yeah i don't know <laughs>
1: it's a hard <laughs> question. Guess, like, yeah it it's, really it's a hard.
3: great question
1: you know I think I can answer I it for you say. guys but I don't think I can explain it. <laughs> Well, you now gotta that I kite, listen to it uh, but I can't explain it. That's
3: cool. now, now that I listen to Roseanne's description of being the kite, I can with confidence say, yes, I am the lion.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think that because uh, everyone here is uh, babies, sorry about that. I have a unique experience <laughs> because I am a married woman and I have been married for th- almost eight years. Um, so I, I have that relationship, and um, if I were to ask my wife, I can only, I can only imagine. But I think that the big thing is that neither of us are that wild because we're a good balance. So it doesn't have to be an analogy that repli- no. that actually applies to you.
3: No. Yeah. Obviously not, but it's it's interesting, and uh, you know it's it's that, and also uh, when you says you fight with love. It's also something that I've always no, found interesting,
0: important.
3: yeah yeah mm-hmm. as uh, yeah as someone who's about as single as one can be uh yeah, I've <laughs> always found that very interesting,
1: i like Hugh said, I would imagine that's a very um a very great way to be. If um
3: that's yeah. the case. <laughs> that's what he says, right too. It's a it's a great yeah, way that's to what be. He says. Yeah, I can't
1: beautiful. imagine that, but Jenny, I hope that you you guys fight with love if when you if you do fight or whenever you do fight.
2: On the very rare occasion, yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I'm like Matt. Nice. I'm as single as, as humanly possible, so can't wait. <laughs> But um <laughs> I feel like I'm about know, know
2: I don't know. No, didn't know it was a battle.
3: So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Married for eight years. Psh, I had a girlfriend for like two months. I'm really like balling here. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but I, I don't know. I just always wanted to ask that question, but nobody I knew watched the show, so I couldn't. I Ooh. guess I could have explained it better, but no, nah, that's <laughs> um, not
3: fun. That's not fun. They need to. They need to know where it comes from. They need to know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I don't I don't even I don't know what to say about this episode other than like Jenny has said multiple times, Love is a really unsettling character and it definitely showed through this episode. Um I don't know, she she made me the most <laughs> uncomfortable when she was on the screen probably. <laughs> but um
2: I think that's partially because she's so good. Like Carla yeah. Gugino, her even just watching like the very minute motions of her face, you uh-huh. can tell that something is wrong
3: yeah, mm-hmm. but she's but that's she is just such a great actress, and I also really like she's such a good physical actress. She can adjust her movement and act with that, and i you see that a lot in Gerald's game as well, which I know we're not talking yeah. about that, but you can see that a lot in Gerald's game as well. She's so good, great actress.
1: Did you so do you guys remember the like the opening scene pretty much I think where she said when um when Daddy died, I made it rain rocks. Do you yep. think that was a coincidence, or do you think that some way she really did
3: It's a reference nature <laughs> it's a reference to the book actually, uh which I don't know if that helps much explaining uh because i didn't read it it, so not to me (laughs) it happens no 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 i'll I'll i'm trying to explain what happens in the book but i don't think that happened that explains much from uh for in this story because in the book it's uh so dr Montague he picks people that have had a paranormal experience and nell's paranormal experience is that uh as a kid her house was also like completely uh, rained with rocks Mm. Uh, that's pretty much the the explanation there and it's also extremely ambiguous whether it's paranormal or not her mom gives the explanation of uh it being the neighbors throwing rocks on their house in the uh, book how
1: which, that work you the- know
3: they had to collect a lot of rocks to make it <laughs> yeah, seem like it was yeah. raining rocks like i don't want to judge <laughs> these neighbors but they maybe should find a new hobby <laughs>
2: I I don't think that there's really a yes or no answer, but if I had to pick one, I would say I think it was paranormal because it just goes to show that she is somehow attracted to those paranormal things and whether or not she literally caused it. But that something paranormal happened to live before she ended up here makes sense to me.
3: It, it's yeah. it, it's double-sided for me because it's it's exactly what you said you know she attracts those paranormal uh events but that's also a thing that's genetically happened in uh in her family her side of the family specifically she talks about uh, uh her mother uh, and she refers to it as grandma to theo because it's theo's grandma on her side then uh was also quote unquote sensitive. So she also had that same kind of power that Theo had. Maybe not as hard, but it's 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 something that ran into that family. So that also makes me want to jump to yes, it was paranormal. Here's the thing, I just don't know how that would work as a paranormal event.
4: <laughs> it is like I can, paranormal
3: I can understand I can understand ghosts, you know, and, and stuff like that being a being seen as paranormal. I don't know how rocks falling from the She's sky just can be
2: secretly ludo from the labyrinth
3: oh my god you're right <laughs> <Ludo>. <laughs> yeah well, no well,
2: i'm glad you get that because abruptly i feel like i'm old and no one else does
3: uh my my mom showed me a lot of uh, older films she lost the labyrinth so <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry i should should have should have worded that differently I didn't exactly make you feel younger <laughs> older, there did I <laughs> um,
2: I mean that's okay because it is older it was literally older when I yeah when when did
3: that old. when did that come out the 80s right
2: uh the 80s yeah
3: yeah man that's a good movie I enjoy that one David Bowie is really good in that one
2: it's incredible. Ten out
3: of ten, yeah. I would recommend. Yeah, yeah, great, great movie. Anyone who hasn't seen The Labyrinth with David Bowie, go, uh, go watch it. It's
0: on my list now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, um, do you guys think? Well, since you guys think that the The Rock storm was uh, a paranormal event or something relative to it, do you guys think that the actual storm from Episode Six was also like? Yes. A paranormal Without event. Without question. Or, uh, it's. Okay. I think it's
3: more or less a hallucination and like an extremely vivid one because it's the same way that, uh, you know, the different faces that the Red Room puts on are a hallucination, you know, because they can still physically interact with it. You know, they can still physically clean up that glass, but it's just, uh, it's just something to keep them busy in there, which is exactly what the Red Room is. So the house can digest them, you know, make the mom go insane you know, give give, give it time.
1: I never thought of it like that. So that's, I think
3: it's it's a, one of the many hallucinations that the house puts up for for the cranes.
1: I, I, think I can that see it's that. I feel like kind of hallucination proven. is like a... Sorry, you go on, Jenny. <laughs> oh,
2: that's okay. I, I just, I think it's kind of proven that, that it is an insular or paranormal event to the house because the Dudleys say it missed them. They're like, we didn't get well, a storm. And they live only I, you... the property.
3: What I like about that is that, and it's the same with the, um, with the rock storm is they, they, they're both seemingly incredibly, uh, impossible events, but they are scientifically possible and have happened. And with the rock storm, they give the example of, I forget where it is, but some, Thessaly. uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah and with the with the storm they talk about micro bruise i believe it's called where it's extremely uh, huge storms but extremely localized yeah and like you know because well, yes exactly. it only hit that house but it's not like that house it's 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 not like a standard four people house it's a big house so it's not like impossible but it's very unlikely and i like that because it Uh, creates the perfect sense of ambiguity like it's possible but it's unlikely and so that makes the less natural solution you know the the paranormal solution makes more likely
2: i think that it's wonderfully ambiguous to them who are currently living in it going yeah mm -hmm, Yeah. this is something that absolutely could happen but i think to us as the viewers who have sat here and watched everything else happen up to this point (laughs) we can go yeah no that house is fucking with you (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i wouldn't take no shit from the house no i get it and i think it's perfectly balanced ambiguous because both are uh you know as a you know fewer of you know not being sure whether the paranormal is true or not uh i think both of those situations are very unlikely then in that situation and so it's perfectly balanced ambigu- ambiguity
1: right right that i never thought of it that way um because <laughs> i don't think it'd be like a, a figment of their not a figment of their imagination kind of just like a something to keep them busy like you said I never thought of yeah
3: that well way. it's but it is it is a figment of their imagination but it's one they are physically able to interact with you know like the red room you you know Theo can actually physically turn on the dvd and put on whatever tape she put in there to uh, dance to and um, so i do think it's a figment of their imagination if it's paranormal i don't think the house can physically stomp on the ground and pull out a storm out of nowhere that's super localized <laughs> right. if it's paranormal it's it's an hallucination that they can physically interact with I
2: don't- I, I agree to an extent, but I do think that the house has some control over itself because when outside people come in, the house has done things like the guy that comes in and looks at their mold. The mold is there. The house definitely yeah. did that.
4: Well, I so I feel, feel
2: think like that the, the house mold... could like break a window, but I don't think it could. Yeah, cause an entire storm.
3: I feel yeah, but that's but the, I feel like that's that's also you know that's also maybe that part of that hallucination you know and the windows are as well i feel like uh you know the windows breaking and the mold as well i don't think you can physically change things but it can it's it's very good at making you believe that it did that's how i always saw it because
2: well i i could see that but i don't think that the guy that comes in with the fans i don't think he's hallucinating that's
0: the thing yeah
3: I've always... I, I've thought about that. I feel like, why why does the house's power stop there? Like, people that are in there? Completely fine. Random person that walks in? No, I can't make him hallucinate shit. I don't know how that I think because work.
2: the house has to affect you in order for it to yeah. affect
3: you. Yeah. Because we, we do
2: see that insofar as how the Dudleys are no longer nearly as affected because they've chosen to remove themselves from the house. Mm. So I think that just walking into the house doesn't do that.
3: What I then don't get is what, what the mold... Where the mold would come from, because like the the fan dude says, there's no leakage anywhere. He doesn't find any water well, or moisture. That's why I think it's actually it's just, the house. That is, yeah. Th- See, that's why I think that that's
2: something the house can do. Okay, so it, it I manifests think it physical that effects. physically. It manifested. Okay some yeah. things. Like I don't believe it could manifest a full storm over it because I feel like that's would be too outside of the the purview of I don't know the haunted house. This is yeah. a very um it's this is a very serious thing to be saying about something that's very not serious. Um <laughs> it, it sounds quite silly, but I do think that the house is capable of doing some level of manifesting actual physical things because I do think that the mold like seen by the the outsiders and like the guy that came by heard the scratching of the rat so or quote unquote, no no, rat. no no so i do think that
3: no one heard the scratching i believe mr Did dudley but heard? no no they didn't hear mr. it dudley, you... that's what I was mr dudley does but the fan dude doesn't like you even says like, like you're crazy of course now you can't hear them he even says that to the guy yeah
2: I I do remember that. Yeah. Uh, But I do think, like, the mold is there because I don't think the mold guy is hallucinating. I, I mean, I don't think that, I just don't think the house would have, I guess, the aptitude to be like, oh, there's one random stranger in here. I think that the mold is actually happening, but I think that's more because that house is, in and of itself, like, decaying. It's systemic of what it's doing to the family. So I think that the manifestation is part of whatever weird power struggle is going on between this family and this house.
3: Alright, that's interesting. One of the m- main things that makes me believe that it might just be a hallucination is the fact that the vanity <clears throat> that Steve paints in episode 8 and 9, by the way, also has the mold. That feels weird to me. That feels like it kind of has to be an hallucination.
2: I felt like that was very intentional, but also I was like, that's an old piece of wood that's been sitting in a musty-ass house. Yeah, it's molding
3: that's no, that true, there. true. That's, but specifically that black mold though
2: yeah that mold. Like, is I'm, I'm not a wood I, expert i'm not sure,
3: I'm not sure what <laughs> how that works you know but
2: i love that maybe. steve's brilliant you know what was he like 12 year old brain was like oh we can just paint over this this is fine
0: yeah, no big deal
3: it's a kid no i mean it's a kid was that wait was that oh, exactly. ha- did I that happen before or after they also find the mold in the wall because that would make it extra stupid you just saw his dad make a after. huge fuss. After. It's yeah. after, I believe. Because he just saw his dad make a it's huge funny, fuss right? about that mold. And he finds it under this vanity. And he's like, uh, no, no, no. yeah, this is fine.
2: Coat of paint.
3: <laughs> hey, look, I noticed. My dad talked about this. Anyways. <laughs> my All oh
1: my. Um, right. There's only one more thing that I wanted to talk about in this episode. Uh but actually I don't think it's too important now, so we might just skip over it. No, just skip <laughs> uh, it. Um I was going to ask, um, let me go back and look and make sure I got this right before I bring this up. One second. One second. No, it's not important. Never mind. <laughs> it is really right. not important. <laughs> um, sure. All right, finale time. But um, I think Roseanne has to leave really, time, really soon. So, Roseanne, do you want to say anything before you have to go? I
0: do have to skip out quite soon because I am on dinner duty at the house. Um,
1: oh boy!
0: I know. I, I'm I'm a bit ahead of the uh, the hour, so I, I'm a bit later. Where I am,
3: yeah, no, it's fun.
0: <laughs> oh,
1: good luck! I am
3: even, I am even later than that. I'm pretty sure yeah, it's like currently. A.
1: Over there. Currently,
3: <laughs> it's uh, it's two in the morning. Oh for my me. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: If it was two in the morning for me, I'd be able to talk all night.
3: <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, I, I at this point, yeah. Yeah, I
0: completely understand that. Um, did I want to say anything last minute? Oh gosh. Uh, I don't, okay. I, I don't know about uh you like what your like i'm gonna sob forever moment is and i know it's like this is something we're gonna touch on a bit later um like what hill has like like represents for us i guess um mm-hmm. I, I don't really i don't know if i want to get into what it represents for me just because i feel like i'd be going on forever and we're not there yet <laughs> um, but oh my gosh does the finale which gosh darn like the, now we're talking about the finale um like, I have so much to say but i'll say this i cry ev like every time <laughs> nelly goes on her monologue at the end i am just a wreck like i cry during theos as well um i, I cry a lot during this show but especially like nelly's like i i have like illusions from from her, her just like she's all over my arm like like I've tattooed like everything like of of significance to me on my body because it's just it just means so much to me and it's like it it really it just it's so good I I can't even put it into words I just have so much (laughs) appreciation for for the last episode it's phenomenal
4: yeah,
1: Roseanne I think we all agreed that we all cried when Mr. Dudley came on screen carrying Mrs. Dudley
0: so sad
3: and that's something <laughs> that just shows how well uh, Flanagan is with his writing because these are very much side characters they're like maybe an hour total probably way less in this 10 hour show no and yet way, you man, feel so no,
1: well, sorry I said, no waiter in for an hour. It has no, not even an three hour. Three I think in total,
3: <laughs> either way, it doesn't really half an hour, maybe. But it's still you feel it so hard. Yeah. When they come in and it makes you cry, it's yeah, it's it's either that or you saying, uh, "I was so lucky to be your father." Those two things oh, always oh make me that- just ball my <laughs> eyes out.
2: No, no, last episode. How could? Uh, what is it? You go on without me how could
3: we oh that one hurts so much as well when she that one's so (laughs) but it's it's not not even it's not even i believe i said this last time at all it's not even just the you guys go on without me it's you saying how could we
2: how could we it's that
3: one that is so painful yeah
2: (laughs) (laughs) but i agree nelly nelly's monologue like it's beautiful like that's the thing it is sad but it's and also just, it's gorgeously written.
3: It so and it's so well, well acted. Yeah. it's Especially the acting, because specifically the line, and the rest is confetti, it is so easy to mess that up with line delivery, to make it sound cheesy that it doesn't mm-hmm. work properly. But Victoria Pedretti sells it so good.
1: Yeah. That line was so good that they brought it back for blood Manor. Or almost brought it back. <laughs> they did, <laughs> almost. <laughs>
3: It was just a callback, though. But that's yeah. <laughs> Talk about that big heap of sadness, damn. By oh. matter, that's gonna be fun. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, Roseanne, I hope you can join us for that episode. I hope and the- so the too. That, that would be
0: so. It- yeah. It-
1: we loved having you. I love, we know you gotta cook dinner so we don't wanna hold you up <laughs> for too long. But anytime yeah, you wanna join, just talking. let me know. Yeah. It <laughs> was a lot of fun.
0: I'm I'm always open to chat. I love the planet verse so much and I always have so much to say. But it's, al- it's always really nice to also hear other people and it's like for so long I felt like I'm the I was the only one talking about the show and it's like I feel like I've already said everything. So it's really nice yeah. to just sit and like <laughs> absorb the information and chime in only where I feel like I can. So, thank you for having me. It was so lovely connecting with you guys.
1: One more thing, Roseanne. When you leave or when you press whatever you press, can you download your file for me and just send it to me later? Yeah, for sure. Got you. Okay,
0: thanks. Okay, amazing. Take care, everybody.
1: (laughs) You too. Have a good dinner. (laughs) Yeah, right?
0: (laughs) Uh, I'm going to take a quick second to figure out how the heck to log out, but. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> if anything you can just come back later like after all this is over you can just come back in and download okay it. cool yeah so that it's, works it's all good yeah all all right. have a good dinner thank you <laughs> <laughs> all right right now that we're well, uh, now that we're
3: in the in the finale i just want to say and i noticed the complete and absolute ending everyone needs to shut up the the kids got out of the red room like I see theories about that all the time and I'm just oh, like Michael No, Flanagan. no, you're like, wrong. He confirmed that it's wrong. Oh, he
2: confirmed. Yeah, he,
3: he confirmed, confirmed, confirmed that, that it's, it's wrong. wrong. Yeah. He confirmed but,
2: that he thought about being that mean.
1: Yeah, yeah, he wanted I it. I think he was supposed to be that mean. I think they covered the window up for like a yeah. painting or something in the back. Yeah,
3: exactly. Yeah. And but even before I knew that, even before I heard that, because he said that at the at the Flaniverse reunion, didn't he? Or am I wrong there?
1: No, oh, I don't know. I, don't, I just read it, it online. I never watched it. Doesn't really anything.
3: matter. But he But even before I knew that he confirmed, I was like, "No, you're wrong. I don't care about your theories. They got out. <laughs> Shut up."
1: <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> oh man, that would—you know how heartbreaking that would have been. I'm so no, glad they didn't do that.
3: That—that would have—that would have messed up the whole show. Yeah. <laughs> honestly, honestly. Yeah. Like, that I, think been I, an I think
2: everyone dies at the end moment.
3: Yeah, and that's exactly why a lot of people don't like it because it's it's technically a horror show, and horror is always everyone dies at the end, or the majority (laughs) of people die at the end. But okay, this is not supposed to. But that's yeah, that's the thing. But it's it's very often categorized as horror. This one, and so people expected everyone to die, and so I know a lot of people were very disappointed with Uh, not everyone dying. I'm like, shut up. The show Shut is up. perfect. People, How dare what's you? Up.
1: What is up with people? Why are they so fascinated with characters dying in TV shows? It's what is
3: it's like, just like, it's just horror genre. It's it's your expectation.
1: I don't. It, that's not necessary to have stakes and to have. It's not,
3: but when you're expecting <laughs> it, I can understand that being slightly disappointing. However, uh, it's wrong. I Shut up. Hope.
2: Yeah, like.
3: And that's that you have
2: something to live for thanks
3: that's that's something that's <laughs> so funny uh because i was listening to this interview with mike flanagan and this goes a little bit deeper into his other projects as well uh and there's a uh there's a change in his projects where the ending becomes a lot more hopeful and a lot less like everyone dies at the end like with oculus everyone dies you know the all the other all stuff happens there with uh Ouija origin of evil it's the same and that uh the point where that we stops and it becomes more way. more hopeful uh is when he got together with Kate Kate Siegel that is That's the moment in going. his life yeah from that point on his projects became a lot had a lot more hopeful endings
1: Except so for Midnight Mass
3: <laughs> And I find that I, I still think We talked a little bit about that last time yeah. we, And while we're going to talk about it again Once Midnight Mass is going to come around I still think that's a beautiful hopeful ending
2: I agree Because when, when I said that it felt Like it wasn't hopeful I think that it's hopeful But I yeah. think that there were a lot of people Who misconstrued it as an everyone dies 100%. End, Because but- almost all of them do
3: <laughs> <laughs> no but but no one nowadays uh is willing to look into themes more and that's also why i um, talking about midnight mass specifically with that one a lot of people didn't like that because when you just look on the surface level it is indeed a creature feature you know but wrong it's 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 just wrong because it's so much deeper than that but when you don't look further than that yeah then it's just a creature feature and then i can understand being disappointed and wanting more from flanagan but you're getting that you're just not looking into it
1: i never ever saw midnight mass as a creature feature like, it no it never even my friend
3: anything. did and i almost punched him in the face <laughs> he did genuinely oh, I, we were talking because we binged it in two days it was it was really amazing because we're both big on the flanagan oh. hype uh and due to covid we couldn't meet up during the release of Bly Manor for it. So we watched those individually. And with Midnight Mass, we met up. We uh, had a sleepover. We watched it in two days. And we both... um, Pardon me. um, Between each episode, we took like a 15-minute walk to really digest the episodes and also to not rush through them immediately. Because we would have otherwise. (laughs) And and after... uh, like i said i don't want to get get too deep in it but after the episode where that gets revealed and he was like but vampires why vampires and i was like give it a why chance
0: vampires? Shut your G- give it a
3: chance you know there's probably more to it it's flanagan and and he at that point refused to believe it and i think at the end of the first watch he still refused to believe it and has since rewatched it and Changed his mind about it, luckily, because otherwise he wouldn't be my best friend anymore. Probably.
1: (laughs) Oh my god, Midnight Mass is so much more than the vampires. Like, it's we're not going to get into it today, but (laughs) that's that's going to be a fun (laughs) episode.
3: That's going to be a fun episode.
1: I can't wait. By that is by far my favorite Flanagan project overall. Like out of the movies too, I love. I can't wait. Yeah. Oh yeah. But um, is that all we have for Hill House and our three hour discussion? Well, yeah, probably yeah we, we said just...
3: two hours, but it ended up being three hours again. Luckily, we started <laughs> an hour earlier this time, so I don't yeah. go to bed at four. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, oh, just
2: glancing. Um, hmm. I just glanced I do think because there's you, you had a question on here, I was just browsing the, the little brief template real quick. And, oh yeah. Uh, you've got the question of what does how- Hill House do for us that the other shows don't, and right, I did right, want right. to ask that.
3: Uh, well, that's an that's an easy one for me. It's simply Hill House has changed. I I talked a little bit about this from the other thing as well. Hill House has just changed how I view horror. Uh. Uh, nowadays, I'm a lot more into more metaphorical horror, you know, A24 uh, art house horror, that kind of stuff. I'm way more into that. And before that, I was very straightforward, straightforward in the horror I joined, you know, just, you know, I want jump scare horror and I want it to be scary and blah, blah. blah. Now, now I want it to be deep and meaningful and confusing <laughs> and ridiculous. And Hill House really changed that for me. And I don't okay. think anything else could have ever done that for me.
1: uh jenny what about you so this is you guys' favorite i don't really have much to add to this section yeah, know, When we get some in their mask though I... I got you oh boy
2: <laughs> fair oh yeah looking forward to that one all right uh, okay well i'm gonna be real honest and it's gonna get real deep for just a second but we we don't have to get too deep into it further than that you but... can talk oh, however, go however long go you it. want
1: to or whatever you gotta say yeah. got all the time
2: oh yes all the time in the world well hopefully I won't talk too long I I think just I feel like a little bit like this show was somehow accidentally made for me and it came to me at exactly the right time and I think that that's why it spoke to me as as strongly as it did because I come from a fairly large family but also at 16 um, I lost my mother to suicide and mental illness Mm. and uh in early 2018 i had just lost my sister to cancer and so in late 2018 Mm. here comes the haunting of hill house about this dysfunctional family and this absolute deep dive into accepting and acknowledging grief and loss and i feel like it just was exactly something that i needed it spoke to me personally on so many different levels and as, you know, just an individual. I think that, that that's why Hill House continues to stand out, even though sometimes I think I like Midnight Mass better, um, but as a person who does not suffer from deep religious trauma, but does instead suffer from some fairly deep family trauma and some similar Dark somatics that it it felt like it was for me. Hill House is something that I needed, and because it did come out right then, like it was also something that I needed when I needed it.
1: Oh uh, well, well that's, I just uh, want to say uh, that's beautiful. Well, yeah, first of all, I'm so sorry for yeah your your losses. That oh, is thank terrible. You. I'm no. so sorry about that. <laughs> But no, that's completely understandable why this stands out to you as much as it does. Because even we all have something in our lives that I feel like came at just the, the moment that we needed it. And I'm glad mm-hmm. that this was it for you and that it's so great, even as like its own standalone, you know,
3: project. Yeah, you uh, you put that beautifully, Jenny. Yeah, that's uh, yeah.
1: Well, so yeah, I don't know that... <laughs> how we can follow that up. <laughs> ah, well. Uh, no
3: but I, I no need because that's no, yeah, no. I gotta <laughs> no, but the, I see so many people talk about how much they relate to Hill House. I absolutely do not have that at all. I barely relate to Hill House uh, personally, at least. Well, and
2: that's one of the things about it is it's so good. You don't have to like it. Doesn't no, have to be something not. that you are no. deeply involved in to experience it as an emotional thing because it's just so good like
1: yeah exactly it is art ah well uh all righty i don't know what else i uh, mean i guess we could I don't know. I, I think we should probably end it there. You ended it on a very beautiful note. I don't yeah. know why else we should keep continue no. on.
3: Yeah, no. That. That's a beautiful ending there.
1: For sure. Well, so. Thank
2: you. I'm glad to talk about it.
1: <laughs> in case I don't edit the previous episode into this one, um, that was Jenny. They gave that very beautiful ending. Um, Matt is the other. The other guy that's on the, on the podcast. That one guy um,
3: that also <laughs> exists and has stories that aren't super personal and deep.
1: <laughs> and, uh, and Roseanne was our new addition that had to leave a little bit early, but we loved having her. She was fantastic. Um, and I was Reese, the same guy that you hear every every other week. So <laughs> I hope oh. you guys enjoyed this episode. And we would definitely try to get all these guys back for the next three, right? Reduces. Oh, yeah, man. I can't wait. Uh, yep. <laughs> All right. Well, until then, we'll see you on the next one.
0: <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of The Real Reese. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode.